Welcome to episode 63 on Savvy Sap's podcast on call-in, Matt Taibbi Twitter file smears. After the release of multiple Twitter files which show that Twitter was suppressing right-wing accounts, Matt Taibbi is now being smeared as right-wing. What are your thoughts? Do you believe leftists have also been suppressed? And feel free to add in other things that we talked about tonight on the show as well. All right. Karthik, I believe, has a new profile picture. We're going to go ahead and get started with Karthik. What is up? Hello? Whoops, I did again. Make sure I turn on the volume. Sorry, Karthik, it's not you, it's me. Oh, yeah. Hi, Sabi. I, I do have a different um, profile picture. That That is true. Um, but as for the topic today about Matt Taibbi, um, so what does it say, Matt Taibbi? Okay, so, yeah, I, I don't think that Matt Taibbi has um, magically become right-wing overnight or, you know, over a few years. I, I think, you know, he's probably still, like, has the same tendencies um, that he had before Trump, kind of. Um, and I know, like, one of the main criticisms was like, oh, Matt, before you were um, uncovering Wall Street, but now you're running cover for Elon Musk, a billionaire. Even though like, all these people, like, love, like, like every other billionaire in the world. And, and when Matt Taibbi kind of, like, did get well-known for covering the Wall Street cl- crash, a-, a lot of them didn't like him telling the truth about the crash because it was, like, embarrassing all the other journalists for not doing anything. That's interesting. So let me ask you a question, Karthik. Do you think there's a difference between, because everyone keeps saying um, this trope that they said about Matt Taibbi, working for the world's richest man. I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter, but it was so many accounts that said the same thing over and over. Maybe they were bots if they're saying the same thing. Or was it like a trending hashtag? It was other, um, it was other journalists saying that to Matt Taibbi. He said, wow, Matt Taibbi, I've lost respect for you because you're now working for the world's richest man. So it was like a PR talking point, it seemed like. But Did they um, work for Washington Post, for Jeff Bezos, who was previously the world's richest man? I think some of them did. One of them was Mehdi Hassan. I do remember that. Oh, yeah, Mehdi Hassan. Yeah, that's like as progressive as uh, uh, MSNBC will allow people to <laughs> But what's the difference between why didn't anybody have a problem with Jack Dorsey, the previous uh, owner of Twitter? Why didn't anyone have a problem with him being a billionaire, but they have a problem with Elon Musk being in in charge of it? Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, well, it seems like like Jack Dorsey was like more willing to play the game, like the corporate game or whatever, you know, but Elon Musk, like he just seems more obvious, like he just seems like more talkative. And like, like a lot of people were threatened by him threatening free speech, which isn't actually happening. But even though there was like a threat of that, people got scared. Um, but this is kind of related. But uh, I'm not sure if you've heard what what uh, uh, Robert Reich has been saying on Twitter recently. It's about this topic. But that guy has revealed himself quicker than I would ever imagine. He's like, oh, my gosh, free speech will destroy democracy or something. I have seen what he's been saying on Twitter. 
Um, one time I did respond to Robert Reich. Actually, I retweeted him and I was just like, you do realize that Joe Biden did this too, right? And he deleted the tweet. So like <laughs> Robert Reich, I told you guys my issue with him is that he's one of those people where like, he will tell you exactly what the problem is. He will tell you that the corporations are corrupt and that the workers are exploited. He'll tell you all this stuff. He'll say, yeah, there's too much money in electoral politics. But at the end of the day, Robert Reich will still tell you to vote for the problem. He won't tell you to take a different path. He won't tell you to do something different. I still remember when he had that debate with Chris Hedges on Democracy Now. And Oh, he, I remember. Yeah, he told people to vote for Joe Biden. And Chris Hedges was like... The, the American people aren't going to get anything <laughs> like regardless. He's like, you do realize that, right? But Robert Reich, at the end of the day, he's going to tell you to maintain the status quo. That's the thing about him. No, 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 Savvy. Eventually something will happen. Yeah, <laughs> like in hundred years, we'll have the public option and then maybe like a $10 minimum wage, you know, and we'll have two days of paid leave and maternity leave eventually. But Robert Reich is, is – so now he's complaining about free speech too? Yeah, he's saying that like that like uh, if uh, uh, Elon Musk is successful, it's going to bring all sorts of hate speech and, you know, all that stuff. And obviously, there's, sure, there's lots of horrible things said on Twitter, but I, I don't get why people are acting like Twitter like magically – and I, I see this on the both sides, but it seems like people are acting like Twitter like magically got better or magically got worse overnight because uh, of Elon Musk, which where I don't really – see much of a difference it got better for me in reference to followers because okay that's great yeah because we were definitely i could tell we were suppressed because the day he took over twitter i got 1000 followers and then since then it's just been going like i've gotten what is it now i've gotten six thousand followers since he took over twitter and i've never grown that fast ever oh damn well i clearly i was wrong thanks for correcting me um, it happened to all of us at RBN. All of us. Like, we know, we're like, what the hell is going on? Well, that's great for you. Yeah, you have like one of the, if not the best messages on um, uh, YouTube. Oh, thank you, Karthik. Thank you. Oh, yeah, it's really weird to, it's weird to me that I was like, out of all the journalists, like, why are you guys calling Matt Taibbi conservative? He is not conservative. Well, it seems like well, I'd say it for a long time. It seems like left and right are just tied to the uh, the cults, the 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 uh, the the red blue game. You know, I think so too. Because even there were even some progressives that were calling him that too, Karthik. Like some people, oh. I was really surprised. I was like, "What the hell happened to you guys?" Like some of you yeah. guys got Trump derangement syndrome, man. Yeah, this happened a while back. I think it was like during Russia got actually, so a long time ago now. But even Jenk was starting to call Matt Taibbi like right wing over Russia and like, you know, adjacent things. So the Matt Taibbi hate game hasn't been going on. Like, I feel like it's been building up, but this was like, you know, um, whatever the like the final straw, I guess. And I, I, I know he went on Ben Shapiro's so, show and said some things that like, I guess some people didn't like. And so I guess that's just like furthering the argument. Was this uh, recent? I think this was like two days ago, three days ago. It was very recent. See, I don't watch Ben Shapiro, so I. <laughs> oh, do yeah, I, have to I watch, don't do either. I, 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 I just saw a clip. No, you, it's not. Okay. He was he was talking about. I, I guess it was he was making a more um, argument about like political correctness and comedy, um, mm-hmm. things like that. But he, he did say 
some uh, important things. And obviously, like, uh, and your other, the other thing that you wrote. Yeah, I, I do think obviously there's many leftists that have been getting suppressed, like RBN, and like you know, like very like it's well known that like even that like Palestinian pages have been getting suppressed for a long time. Um, and obviously, uh, uh, Garland Nixon, and I'm sure there's other people that I can't name. I'm just glad Garland Nixon is back on Twitter. Oh, he's back. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he tweeted an announcement that said return of the Mac. I'm back. (laughs) Great. Case, do you have anything to say about Matt Taibbi? Um, Hey, what's going on? Uh, Karthik and Sabrina in the chat. What's up, everybody? Yes, I listened to the whole calling that he did with uh, the lever uh, show with David Sirota. They have a show on on calling. Oh, that yeah, it was yeah, interesting. It, it was good. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I well, I, I'm the type of person I like getting information from anywhere. But um, one thing that I thought was interesting because um, how people are just so caught up with the fact that. You know, on the left, they try to say, oh, this is a nothing burger. And I'm talking about the Twitter files in particular. Oh, this right. is a nothing burger. Um, you know, people already knew that they were shadow banning or doing some form of shadow banning. And then on the right, they're uh, calling things out. But what I disagree with is they're saying only right wing people are getting shadow banned. So on the right, I disagree with that as we, you know, know, it was just mentioned Garland, Garland Nixon just got back his account. And plenty of other people, socialists, um, the World Socialist Organization, and a whole bunch of people got uh, censored or in some form, however they want to define it. Uh, You know, they're gaslighting us by trying to say, oh, it's not shadow banning. It's just that we did such and such. Like, okay, that's still filtering out and censoring people. But anyway, um, I just thought it was interesting how uh, there were a couple times that Pat, Matt Taibbi got like kind of defensive in there, and he was like, "Man, I don't understand why you guys keep asking me why I uh took this task from Elon Musk, offered him Musk or offered him this opportunity to go through all these past documents. You guys keep bashing me for that. I don't care where it comes from. I'm going to do my job as a reporter and go through and report accordingly." And I, I thought, in my personal opinion, I think he's, he's right. Any reporter that gets documents, as long as they're transparent, and he's very transparent to where he comes from as a reporter. He says he's a liberal. Uh, he's called himself an old school liberal in the traditional sense of when a ACLU kind of defended the KKK. Kind I think that's what he means in that kind of sense. He's a a, a traditional liberal um, in the sense of what that means. That a neoliberal or what we like really detest in this day and age. But anyway, I'll say this real quick and I'll pass it back to you, Karthik. I think that the same thing with WikiLeaks. Like everybody, um, when they got their document dumps, instead of criticizing what's in the document, they're criticizing the, the, the journalists or the organization going through and providing the information. So that's, I hope that we get to a point where we stop doing that as a whole. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Go ahead, Karthik. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm almost, yeah, I agree with you, man. And I, I know Chris, I just said something similar once. He said when he was a reporter for the Times, he said that, yeah, you're supposed to, if you, it doesn't matter, regardless of who your source is, you should report it if you think it's, you know, worth it. Like he said, he once got a, once I think he, he his source for something, 
forget what exactly, but he said he got uh, his source once was uh, the uh, uh, Mossad, but he didn't think it mattered because uh, of what the substance was. And um, last thing I'll say is that uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw uh, Matt Taibbi's uh, interview with Jordan Newell from TYT, but he was pretty much just being asked, so Matt Taibbi, why are you doing journalism? I thought that was hilarious. It's really interesting. I think that, like, you know, Case brought up a really good point. Like, why not just focus on the information that was revealed instead of, like, sure, so to speak? Like, why are so many people so angry about this? I'm, 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 I guess I'm just really confused. It's like, is, is Matt Taibbi only supposed to, supposed to cover issues that make uh, conservatives look bad? Is that how this is supposed to work? Like, that's not, that's not true journalism. That's hilarious. Well, that that is true if you come from the Professor Casparian School of Journalism. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think that, um, yeah, Jordan Yule, he was on that same calling. Is that where you saw it, Karthi? Um, I think so, yeah. I, I didn't see it all together. I saw it in, like, like uh, uh, clips or whatever. I, I didn't see the whole thing. Um, well, I, one, one last point I'm going to make from you again is I think – I think somebody tried to compare it to when, um, you know, on MSNBC, if you have a general that used to be in the army and they go on there and they don't necessarily say they bring them on as a general expert. Right. Uh, and they're promoting pro war propaganda. And, but then they don't disclose that they're getting paid or they, they might have been a um, once a contractor or once in the, the private sector of the army industry where they're making money off of um these different things um that's the they try to compare that to matt taibbi and i think like i said these people didn't the generals they didn't disclose that they were part or you used to make money off a war and now they could be potentially literally making money from what they're saying by promoting this war that's totally different from what matt taibbi is doing right now right and then Oh, can you guys hear me? Okay, right. And then the other thing I was going to add, too, was that how was this any different from, I mean, like, Matt Taibbi used to work for Rolling Stone. I mean, listen, like, a lot of the journalists, we do have independent journalists, but a lot of the journalists are working for a billionaire some way, shape, or form if they're working for, like, the New York Times or the Washington Post or something. You know what I mean? So it's just like... This is just very strange to me. It's it's very strange, and I, I'm I'm really surprised about all the the blowback that has come out about it. Like, I've never seen people turn like this so quickly. No, 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 Sam, you don't understand. There's the good billionaires like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, and then there's the bad billionaires like the Koch brothers. <laughs> so we got to separate the you know we got to separate them from the good and the bad, just like in prison. Mm. that we get to the point especially on the left where we allow for disagreements because a lot of these times i find we agree with like 90 percent of the issues it's just that next 10 percent like it's almost like the difference between if oh should we have a thousand dollars ubi per month or just two thousand dollars ubi per month and somebody says no i want two thousand and the other person says no i want a thousand you know what? We disagree. So I'm not your friend. I'm not coming on your YouTube show. We can't organize anymore. I'm out. You know, like that's the difference. A lot of times I feel in my personal opinion where we are and people just find ways to just 
um, not talk to each other because they disagree with little things here and there. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, some people, same thing. Like, I talked to Ryan. Like, I didn't agree with, like, his position in reference to the railroad workers, you know? Like, it's okay to bring people on that you disagree with. Like, if you just bring people on that you only agree with, then you're only going to be in an echo chamber. I think it's important for people to hear where the other side is coming from and where people are going. And I think it just, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like just bringing people that I agree with because I feel like it's just a, okay, we all know that you're going to agree with this person on the things that they have. <laughs> I, I thought it was really interesting for people to hear, like, why Ryan Grimm felt the way that he did. And it just so mm-hmm. happened that he wrote that article. That article came out before he came, right before he came on. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, let's see what how people feel when they see this article. Now, most people still didn't change their mind, <laughs> but it, it mm-hmm. is what it is. But I mean, I wanted people to understand why he had the opinion that he had, but you can still respectfully like disagree with someone. And a lot of times the difference is really class. Like you bring up, there's the PMC class, then there's the working poor, and then there's the very poor. And everyone's going to come from an issue in a different way. So I think somebody like me, who I'm desperate like for Medicare for all, because I get bills, pop-up bills all the time. Like, hey, I just wanted to get a patch panel done because I have eczema. And I want to get a patch panel. But when I'm at the doctor's office, they don't tell you that, oh, by the way, you're going to get a $300 bill in a couple of days. Like they just do it. And then you find out later. So I don't care who I have to collaborate to get Medicare for all. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work with whoever I need to work with. You know, but um, I'm sorry, I'm, Sabrina, I got to jump out to do a meeting, but then I'm going to come back later on. But much love to you. You guys, you guys do a great. Thanks so much, Case. All right, I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, CR. CR, you are the next caller. What's your take on all of this? Are you surprised by the blowback that uh, Matt Taibbi is getting? Uh, Lori, unfortunately, no. The 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 first thing that I immediately thought of um, was Glenn Greenwald and how loved he was, you know, what ten years ago or so, or whatever, you know, fifteen years ago when he's originally po- uh, publishing a lot of the stuff that he was getting you know, the leaks he was getting and all that kind of stuff and, 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 you know, exposing all that and he's great. But then as soon as he had some other takes that he didn't like, all of a sudden now he's this crazy, you know, alt-right, right-wing grifter, blah, blah, blah. And, and they just, everybody immediately forgets all the amazing journalism that he did. You, you know what I mean? And that just went out the window so fucking fast. So I know it is a little bit of a, a whiplash kind of feeling seeing how fast it happened to Matt Taibbi, but Unfortunately, it feels much like how the mob, you know, mob do. Yeah, I was going to say Glenn Greenwald is a good example because and I'm going to ask this question and and be honest with me. Did people actually believe that Glenn Greenwald was a progressive, so to speak? Because I never remember Glenn Greenwald saying that. And I, I feel like some people had this impression that he was. And so now some of those same people are like, oh, Glengrald has has gone completely right wing. And I'm like, how? What what are the right wing issues? What are the right wing talking points? Yeah, no, I, I, 
I didn't necessarily have that, but I can see yeah, that a lot of people did. And if you want me to be actually honest, I don't know if I'm allowed to even say this, but I'll, I'll say it. Um, it could be because he's gay. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, people just tend to attach that sort of thing. Oh, well, you're gay, so you must be a lefty. You must be, you know what I mean? Like, you just, why mm. else? You know, because the right hates you. You know, why would you be over there? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's uh, uh, so. Uh, I I, th I think also too you, you have to kind of be a little, little bit centrist or have some conservative leanings to to move to Brazil. <laughs> you know what I mean? In in a way, because I know he's been uh, very uh, pro Lula, but Lula isn't always perfect. You know what I mean? He has some yeah. Sus Paul, you know that, you know that, you know that. Yeah. You're preaching, the choir. You're preaching the choir. So you know what I'm saying? Like, and also living under Bolsonaro. And I know he, he was very adversarial to Bolsonaro to the point where Bolsonaro probably tried to have him off. But right. uh, to me, you know what I mean? It's like, if that's your, you, you could live anywhere in the world you want because you're, you know, this this award-winning journalist and pretty much work wherever the hell you want to. Choosing that country is a little bit of a kind of indicator to me. I always thought like, huh, all right, sure. Why not? Well, that's where, that's where his, his, his husband, uh, I know it's been, yeah. Right. So maybe, I think that's why. Yeah. yeah. No, but I just meant, I just meant in terms of like, uh, somebody that's comfortable in, in that, in that, in that kind of area and in those politics, because he does seem to, uh, like to report on Brazilian politics and all that kind of stuff too, you know? Um, but aside, aside of that though, you know, I found funny when you guys were describing, uh, Robert Reich earlier. I could have swore you were describing David Sorrow. <laughs> You're like he, he'll tell you ex he'll tell you exactly what's wrong. He'll tell you how the things are screwing you. And I because I've been reading some of his tweets lately, and I'm just like, dude, are you fucking fucking with us right now? Because I, I follow him and a bunch of other people I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm I read his tweets. I'm like, dude, you're right there. In so many of these tweets lately, like the past week or two, you know, it's been like, this is bullshit. I can't believe. You know, the Democrats fucked over the real workers so hard. I'm like, and so you're going to tell your followers to never vote for them again? No, no, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, so that, ah, it's so frustrating. We but had yeah. that same, that we had that same question for him and he blocked all of us. Yeah. I, isn't his wife a Democratic politician? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to do the Kellyanne Conway, George Conway thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Although that 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 is that relationship is an enigma, but something tells me they're gonna last. Just just out of hate, fucking I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you you know, uh, uh in, in terms of uh, um, the whole Elon Musk thing here, that that people are kind of you know, obviously a lot of us kind of knew once there it was clear that Elon was gonna finally, uh, uh you know, acquire Twitter. We're like, hey man, one, you know, same as the old boss, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, you know. When we're just trading hands for billionaires here. All these people that were cheering, a lot of us were trying to throw cold water on that, going like, let's see what he does. Hold on, because don't forget, he's, you know, and I honestly, at this point, watching the way that it's been framed, and especially how I've seen him, you know, tweet out like, oh, this is only happening before I got here to conservatives and blah, blah, blah. And we just know that's utter bullshit. <clears throat> I, and I honestly think with his deep ties to the military, uh, uh, you know, the CIA and stuff like that and whatnot, you know, this is, a, this is, he's, when he, because the, the government's not just going to let you acquire something like that. 
right without having without having a talk talking to you know what i mean they didn't let jeff bezos just acquire the washington post outright with i'm sure without talking to him first and then at the time when he acquired the washington post i believe he had just recently re-upped a 800 million dollar contract with the pentagon they happened like right at the same time when he was when bezos was first acquiring the post right, right? so these these things are intertwined and so I think what if if I were to guess if I were to put on my tinfoil hat I honestly believe that in his, when they, once it became clear that Musk was going to acquire Twitter and he would say oh I'm going to do all this free speech I'm going to release all these files and all this kind of stuff like that they came to him and said you can do this only if it serves as like identity politics or any other divisive device to keep everybody squabbling and it has worked like a fucking diamond dug out of the ground just Perfect, you know, just beautiful, shining. Think about it. All we've been doing is our, even right now on this call-in, we're fucking arguing about, oh, are they banning just right people? We're playing directly into the game that they've always played. Red versus blue, you know? Atheist mm. versus religious, you know, black versus white. They fucking instigate these things because this is what keeps us divided. And then they can conquer. Yeah, when I was on Fault Lines this morning, we were talking about this very same issue about the Twitter files. And they were asking me if I believed that it was only conservative accounts that were suppressed. And I told them, absolutely not. It was leftist accounts too, anti-war, anti-imperialist accounts. Um, Some of my friends, like, that were tweeting out those types of things, like, were heavily suppressed. And we saw the difference once Elon Musk took over, all of a sudden, like, tweets that I would normally post that would probably get like 20 likes were getting like 200 likes. And I'm like, what is happening here? And the increase of followers that happened so crazy, it was just ridiculous. So that was something that we were talking about this morning. And I'm just like, I said, but however, according to Matt Taibbi, and this is what I saw from his interview with Russell Brand, he said that the information that he received did not show that. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. But I think, I don't know if they're finished with the Twitter releases. I don't know if there's going to be more, but there's got to be some of that in there somewhere, especially in reference to anti-war voices. And I know people were suppressed over Russia and Ukraine if they didn't follow the right narrative too. It it, it does seem that way. I I myself, not to say that like I'm particularly witty or, or, or tweet a lot of wonderful things. So, oh my, shouldn't I have hundreds or thousands of followers, I seem hard capped at 50. It'll go down a couple for some reason, randomly. I'll just log in and three will be gone. And then, you know, it'll slowly tick back up while me getting no notifications in my notifications of new follows. Uh, Just last week, I got three new follows and my follower count went down too. Once I hit a certain uh, follower count, I wasn't receiving notifications of new follows anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I hardly ever get them and the number just fluctuates, but every now and again, like, like last week or whatever, I said something or whatever, you know, got some 60, 80 or whatever likes on it. And a couple of people followed me and I, I remember what my number was, is, you know, like a 49 or something like that. And I happened to look at, look at my follower count a little bit later and it was uh, uh 47. I'm like, huh, I just got three new followers today. <laughs> How the... 
and it just it's, it, it just that's how it's just been you know but again like i said I, I, i'm not i know maybe people are unfollowing me because i tweet cat pictures literally if you look at my timeline that is all that is the, all i tweet in my timeline and i tweet like maybe once a month and well, it's just usually think- pictures of my cat so it's not anything nefarious but i am commenting on a lot of other anti-war things mm-hmm. you know what i mean a lot of anti-war people i follow a lot of other anti-war people i when people post stupid shit you know about uh socialism or china or whatever and i can tell you you're not using that word correctly you know what i mean so I, I i chime in but in terms of my timeline the only thing that i can imagine is is i have retweeted a couple of chris hedges articles one of them specifically was the uh sub stack that he did on uh I'm, I'm Sh- Sh- Shireen, uh, but I I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name right now, but you know who I'm talking about, the Israeli journalist. Yes. That was more or less assassinated. Yep. Um, so I, I retweeted that. And before that, on some of the comments and stuff that I was getting, I would get two, three, four hundred likes on some things. I have not seen any of that since I, uh, since I retweeted uh, some of his articles that were critical of Israel. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I can't can't say for sure. And again, it just it, it could. It could. Yeah. I mean, technically, like the way the algorithm works right on Twitter, right? The more you tweet, the more likely people are going to see your tweets. And that's how we knew. I was like, we're definitely being suppressed. And we were able to see that like after um, Elon took over. But Misty from Action for Assange, she ran a test the other day. And I'm going to see if I can find that tweet. It was a tweet from Tulsi Gabbard. And Tulsi Gabbard was basically calling Hillary Clinton a war criminal. Ah, I saw that tweet. I do. I follow Misty. Yeah. Yes. And Misty was doing a test and she said, okay, guys, let's do a test. Here are the number of likes and retweets on this tweet. It was a lot. Like the tweet went viral. Every yeah. other hour she was going back on, on their posting. And she was like, you guys, do you guys notice all the likes, these likes that are disappearing? They were yeah, removing from like 170 likes. to like down to 140 with it. Yeah. I saw, I yes. Saw, what? They were removing likes and retweets from Tulsi Gabbard's tweet, like clockwork. And it was now, also funny. Me, I, on, go ahead. You mean to tell me all those thousands of people that liked Tulsi Gabbard's tweet the next hour all of a sudden decided to unlike that tweet? I don't think so. And it's a tweet from a couple of years ago too, right? If I remember correctly. I think so. Yeah, so it's not like it's not anything recent that some that thing would be, you know, you'd have to search it out. It wouldn't be just like easily find, findable on your likes timeline. But also I noticed the comments under when Misty was was calling that out, I noticed a lot of people were saying I've had to re-like that yep. same tweet by her multiple times. And there was not just one, it was like, you know, so four or five, six people right underneath her tweet commenting like I I keep I keep liking it and you know, it keeps going away. So there's definitely some shenanigans that are going on outside of all the stuff that has been recently, you know what I mean, kind of made aware through the Twitter files. And again, I think that the, the, the trickle to it allows us to get to kind of fight over little minutia on red team, blue team, because, it, you know, it's just like a standard infiltration tactic. You get into, you know, a meeting with socialists and you keep bringing up little minute things to argue over. You know what I mean? Right. It says right there in the CIA handbook, keep bringing up to matters that have already been settled, fight over yep. tiny definitions to keep. And this is, I feel like that's, isn't that exactly what we're fucking doing? We're sitting right here trying to go, oh, did this person get shadow banned or did they get delisted or they, de-? and and we're still doing it right now. <laughs> I, I, like I'm almost mad at myself 
because all we here we are like engaging in the minutia that they want us to engage in when the reality is it doesn't matter which fucking billionaire oligarch is in control the fucking we know who's really in control right, right? and 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 they that, I, to me to me the only thing that makes sense why they let Elon's acquisition of this thing go through and also it was forced on him too let's not forget cuz he backed out and when mm-hmm. i think that part of that backing out might have been we all thought, oh, because now it's, Twitter's lost some of its value, blah, blah, blah. Get the fucking oligarchs don't buy these things for how much they actually fucking are worth. They're bought for the utilitarian the nature of them. And I think part of maybe his backing out was the military and whatnot. Our government come to him and said, hey, you're going to fucking play ball. If you're going to if you're going to get this, you're going to have to play ball. And don't forget, we got you on all these other contracts. I'm, the dude, the dude is launching their fucking most secret satellites into fucking space. And you think this guy's going to be on our side? I, I'm sorry. I might say, I'm yeah. saying the proverbial we, not you. I know you get this. No, it's, but, it's, it, a, it's a good point. But like also too, I know that uh, he did tweet this recently that somebody tracked him. So remember when I told you guys I was in that Twitter space uh, recently and Elon Musk was the key speaker and he was talking about the future for Twitter. Okay. Hmm. He was on a jet. He was on his private jet during that Twitter space. I only know that because he, he said that and other people were saying that, that were helping him host that Twitter space. Apparently, somebody tracked his jet location, like from where he was at that time during the Twitter space and where he landed. And he found out about it. So he announced on Twitter that anybody who does this again, that tracks someone's location will be banned from Twitter. And he also said he's opening up an investigation against that individual that did that. Just just, just petty fucking bourgeoisie bullshit as fucking usual. Because it, this isn't this isn't this isn't even a fucking this is again, well, there's no reason for us to even debate this. The 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 bit the bit is obvious. Is it publicly available information? Yes, right. then it's fair game. Now if I see Elon Musk sit down to lunch with his family at first and main street. And then I immediately pull out my phone, take a picture, tweet it out and say, Elon Musk just sat down at first and main street to eat with his family. Well, th- yeah, obviously <laughs> that's that, you know what I mean? Like this isn't, this is a fucking rocket science. That's not public. Right. They can, nobody can just Google that. That's me as an individual pointing out a very specific time and place individual. Now have I take a picture of Elon Musk at lunch and then later on, when I get off of work and I'm home, do to do to do seven, eight o'clock at night. Hey, saw Elon Musk at lunch today. That is not doxing. So this to me, this this it's like why we even have to debate this, why there has to be an investigation or why a bunch of these reporters have to be banned permanently under the guise of, oh, I'm protecting people from doxers. It's just fucking absurd. It's just another it's another thing where then now we'll sit here and argue over what the definition is and is it right and is it wrong. It's like none of this shit matters. He's doing it for his own vain fucking reason. So that's obvious. You know what I mean? So for us to even engage beyond that is a waste of our own time, I feel personally. Well, what do you, you know, think and- about this whole issue with Matt Taibbi? Do you agree with him releasing the Twitter files? Do you agree with the way that it was done? Like, I personally don't have a problem with it, but apparently there are a good amount of people that do. The, the one problem that I would kind of generally have is I, I do appreciate more a little bit of a WikiLeaks nature of like, here's all the documents. You know, if you want to go digging through it yourself, have at it, Haas. So that part, 
I don't particularly like, especially like somebody like Barry Weiss. As soon as I saw Barry Weiss was doing the second installment of the Twitter files, I was like, oh, okay. Musk is running a motherfucking psyop on us right now in real time. That's exactly that's the fucking a first thought that popped into my head as soon as like Barry Weiss will have the have the word tomorrow. And I was like, oh, fuck you. I guess he was trying to get journalists that have different ideologies. For those who are not aware, Barry Weiss is very, uh, how how can I put this nicely? She's, um, (laughs) she's, she's corporate. She's not progressive. She's, she's corporate. Uh, she's against you guys know how I feel about BDS. She's against BDS. She's against the Palestinian movement. She's referred to herself as a Zionist. Um, so she 100% supports the state of Israel. Yeah. yeah. She used to work for the New York Times, left the New York Times because she didn't like the practices there. And she's kind of been on this podcast tour ever since. And she's also kind of, I, I hate to kind of oversimplify in this way, but would you agree with the statement that she kind of pedals to the reactionary right now? To a certain degree. She does sometimes. Uh, I mean, like, she's not, she's not someone that was, like, in favor of, like, a Bernie Sanders. Like, just giving you guys an idea for those of you who are not aware of how she was, uh, her political ideology. Like, she's not. There's an interview with her and Joe Rogan that I think you guys should watch. If you can uh, catch it on Joe Rogan's Spotify. And you can see the video on his podcast. Jimmy Doors, check out Jimmy Doors' video of tearing down the Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it was it's pretty it's pretty cringe. Like you guys should definitely check that interview out. But like, um, I was surprised he picked her because there's just so many other journalists. Like, obviously, I wasn't surprised he picked Matt Taibbi because Matt Taibbi has done like phenomenal work. But uh, I, I am surprised he picked her. I was like, really. Cause I think it's just cause she, you know, that she's routinely has like the number one political podcast. Well, that makes sense. And she came from the New York times. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm just saying like, so it's just easy for him to go, Oh, who else is popular? Who's popular? Da-da-da. Oh, there you go. She's mm-hmm. number one on the list. Pick her. You know what I mean? It seems like a dumb thing. Like you're handing me a list of the top 10 podcasters. Why like, not? Like, go what's this Mitt Romney thing? Can I get a binder full of women, please? Mitt well, Romney. I would say, like, why not go to Glenn Greenwald? I that that to me, I would have been. I think that would have been the more obvious choice, you know. And I, I trust feel- Matt. I trust Matt. I don't think Matt's like lying to us, you know, or anything like that or whatever. I just don't think they're gonna they're gonna show him the whole enchilada. No, it's just crazy to me the number of people, the people that are mad at him. And I'm not talking about. Um, I don't want to. I want to make it clear. I'm not talking about liberals being mad at him. Because liberals have been mad at him since Russia Gate, like uh, Karthik was saying, right? I'm talking about like progressive and leftist people that are mad at him. All of a sudden, just turned on Matt Taibbi and said, "Screw him, he's right wing." And I'm like, "What?" When you hear something that break that really breaks into your cognitive dissonance, that the the vast majority of all uh, liberals have to engage in in order to say things like, "Oh, I'm voting Democrat to save democracy." I mean, you and I both know how absolutely fucking asinine that statement is and right. I, I deep down believe that a lot of these college educated motherfuckers that call themselves good liberals they know in their heart how asinine that is so there's a lot of mental gymnastics that go on in order to 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 hold that cognitive dissonance in there now when you have something like a good journalist giving you hard facts that contradict 
or force you to kind of become uh, uh, aware of the contradictions that exist within yourself, you know, that's, that's, that's always a recipe for disaster. And your mind is never going to let you pull out any of the lower uh, stones in the pyramid of your personality. You know what I mean? It's not going to allow you to just suddenly rip out a foundational brick that might cause a cascading effect. You know what I mean? Your, your brain as a, as a, as a manner of self-preservation, uh, you know, per, uh, perseverance, you know, eh, <laughs> preservation, God damn it. <laughs> Will not will not allow that happen. You know what I mean. So that's you're you're always fighting against that. That you're going to need people to on this kind of thing like that uh, come along slowly. You know what I mean. It's like it's like going like starting with TYT, then going to Kyle Kalinsky, then going to Jimmy Dore, then going to RBN, which is the pipeline mm. that I took. Right. You know, I needed that kind of soft inwards thing because I, I came from a different thing. You know, military family. All my, you know, my dad, uncles, cousins, everybody, Army, Navy, Marines, the whole bit, you know, different. Grew up in Oregon for a while, out in the country, went to church. <laughs> you know what I mean? So a lot of individuals, they need that kind of slow thing. And I think that that's in terms of the leftist people that are just kind of lashing out at him right now. I think it's because they really know. They're like, fuck, I didn't want, ah, I kind of knew that in the back of my head, but I don't want to admit it. It goes against too much of the fucking virtue signaling that I do day to day on Twitter to, to allow me to actually digest what is being told to me right now. Does that make any sense? That makes sense. Very, very interesting. The last little quick thing that I'll say and I'll stop babbling is I, I, I miss this sentiment. Change the fucking channel. If you don't like, you know what I mean? Like George Carlin used to say in reference to the reverend that was trying to get him kicked off the radio in the seventies. Mm -hmm. Hey, reverend, there's two knobs on the fucking radio. One turns <laughs> it off and the other one changes the motherfucking channel, <laughs> you know? So change the channel y'all. Like, don't, don't be afraid. Like, Oh, but they're talking together. And, and Charlie Kirk has millions of followers now. And we got to stop. gives a monkey fuck. Do you want these people organizing in the dark? Do you want them talking amongst each other where there's no daylight that can creep in to, to, to yes. cast a light on their shadows and their on their on their dark thoughts? We want this in the open. I, I, I believe let all the KKK people, white supremacist stuff, because people like me, I'll just make a fucking index list of terms, put whatever or people and I'll do a ban list, filter it. You know what I mean? I don't have to see it. We can all do that if you choose to. If you're like, I don't want to see dudes that are just on here posting swastikas every day. Not hard to filter that out. Okay. We have the technology, but more importantly, we want to know what they're thinking and who they are. Not to dox them and necessarily aggressively go after them, but because the only way that we're going to sanitize any of these ideas is with the light of day. It is not going to be done by telling people they cannot say something. You're never going to fucking change an ideology by telling somebody that they're not allowed to speak something. And you always embolden the people, especially the ones on the fringe, to want to believe in what they believe in even more when you censor them. Because they go, aha, see, they censored me because I'm telling you the truth. The earth really is flat. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where they are. And they will be more emboldened in what they think the more that you try to tell them, shut the fuck up. You're not allowed to say that. Somebody should ban you. That has never fucking worked. It has never worked. And why do they continue to do it, you say, if it's so self-defeating? 
they continue to do it because it gets us fighting with each other. And at, at the end of the day, I would rather know who the fucking racist piece of shit is because he's allowed to say what he, what he really thinks than for me to have to fucking guess. Because right now, a lot of people seem to not be able to understand that Joe Biden, just because he doesn't say the fucking N-word all the goddamn time, is a racist piece of fucking shit. That's right. No, that's that's, that's true. It's just there's different types of and um I'm gonna talk about this a little bit more at some point, but there's different types of racism. There's overt racism, which I think a lot of people are more familiar with, and then there's covert racism. And there's a difference between like, I mean, both are racism, but when you look at some of the things that Joe Biden's done in reference to covert racism, he's implemented legislation. He's implemented racist legislation. That's even worse. Is it, was it Malcolm X that told us to be more afraid of the suburban liberal than the KKK member? Or was that King? I, had, I thought it was Malcolm X, King, but my buddy was saying, I think you're quoting King. King, King said, uh, beware of the white moderate. Ah, that was, yeah, that's, I think I'm bastardizing his. I turned it to suburban liberal. <laughs> I know, I was like. <laughs> you're like, and, what the um, fuck is this dude talking about? Malcolm X said, you have to be worried about the liberals because the liberals are like a fox and the uh, fox is sneaky it. and you don't see the fox coming. I literally took like both of their quotes and made like a bastardized <laughs> cra- cracker version. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like I do that's those that weird quote from yeah, that I've made up in my head that doesn't exist. I agree with that. <laughs> um it, it it's it's really true. It's really the person that will pretend to be your friend in front of you will say the right things but will right. ultimately stab you in the back that's right you- that's right thank you thank you for taking uh, my call tabby as always thanks cr Love what's up roger i was gonna tell cr before he left you learned that a lot in the northern states <laughs> yeah yeah you learned that a lot in the northern states because down south they'll let you know yeah it's definitely more overt in the south What's up, John? You're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Thanks, Abby. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, I was uh, watching uh, your show a little bit earlier. Uh, I was watching like the 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 rising segment you were playing, and uh, with uh, you know Brown and Joy Gray, and I I, uh, I really agree with her on on this about the whole uh, you know like Matt Taibbi thing. It's like it seems pretty clear he's not he he's not right wing, but it's just like this thing that you can call people so that you don't have to like really engage with what they're saying, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for a long time it was applied to, you know, maybe actually right wing people, but it's pretty indiscriminate now. It seems like, you know, just, just anyone that like sort of a ch- challenges the establishment narrative, you just find like someone like vaguely well-known to start calling them uh, right wing. And that's supposed to just kind of shut it down, you know? Well, it was really interesting, too, because I remember when people started um, using that smear against, like, Jimmy Dore. Mm -hmm. And every time I would ask, like, what are the right-wing talking points? They would say, oh, he's against the vaccine. I was like, that's a right-wing thing? Or is that a science thing? And they would say, oh, like, he criticized the Democratic Party. I was like, didn't all of the progressive commentators at one point criticize the Democratic Party? Sure. So it was just, they couldn't point me to one thing, like in particular. And I'm like, I just feel like these are smears. I, I don't, I don't feel, feel like, like there's this truth back to it. 
It was the Boogaloo Boy thing that did them in. The Boogaloo Boy that came on, who was um, you talking about? Uh, oh my God, what was his name? I Man forgot his Diva name. <laughs> I forgot his name. Um, Man, Man Diva, something like that. I forgot. Mattis, he was that guy came on to RBN. That guy came on Word. to RBN. This was like back in the day, like when we, not too long after we first started, he came on and he talked to RJ. RJ interviewed him. He was, so there's different, I guess, so just like with any organization, right? There's different segments, right? So like, I'll actually use the example of sororities and fraternities. This is a better example comparison. Um, you could have like, for example, you can have like a sorority, like I was a part of Kappa Delta, right? So you have Kappa Delta sorority. That's the national sorority chapter. You have the national Kappa Delta. But throughout the United States, you have different Kappa Delta chapters and all of them are different. So there may be one KD chapter where the girls are really prudish, but then you may have another KD chapter where a lot of the girls are athletes. They're not all the same. So the guy, Magnus, that was his name. The guy, Magnus, that came on, Magnus was on there because he was standing with Black Lives Matter protesters. He was armed and he was protesting with them. And so Jimmy brought him on because he was like, well, that's interesting. Like people say this is a boogaloo boy, but he's protesting with Black Lives Matter's protesters. Then he came on, if people actually watched the interview, when he came on, that's when we found out that he was also LGBTQ. And so I was like, oh. But it was it was very obvious to me, some of the people that I had spoken to after that interview happened didn't actually watch the interview. Yeah. They yeah, he's... He's he's a he's a different one. Like he's he's anti-war, he's anti-imperialist, he's LGBTQ, like he is against the police state. That was the reason why he was out there with BLM. He was just like, nah, fuck this. He doesn't like the government. Like he he's he's similar to Rome in that sense where they just feel like the government needs to go. Um, but even that, like when I would tell people that, people are like, No, he brought a boogaloo boy on. I'm like, Did you watch the interview though? You know, and some of the same people, you know, to that same point, why weren't those same people upset with Jink Uger for interviewing David Duke? Yeah. Crickets. Well, well, that's that's the thing that you I think Matt Hebby was even saying on an interview I saw, you know, that like it's okay to be like what what people learn in the journalist class is that like it's okay to be wrong as long as it's like wrong in the right direction. You know what I mean? Like you can be, you can be wrong about certain things as long as you're on the, the right team. Mm. You know, someone I've understood Sabrina, when they did the trucker strike in Canada. Now I understand that didn't that, didn't all of those trucks line up for miles? Yeah. And miles and miles. And miles. Okay. So when they said, yo, they're flying Nazi flags there, okay, here's the thing. You can't 
put that on, okay, that's something that might be happening at the back of the line. You, you know what I'm saying? Like the truckers over here, okay, will will don't even know what's going done, what's going down all the way down the line. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? So you can't really just say, okay, that's that's everybody. You understand where I'm coming from? Like if you had a if you had this truck line, let's just say, I don't know, going from Maryland to New York. Okay. Let's say it, it, it was that. So let's say I'm in New York and there's some guy from in Maryland or in between Pennsylvania, whatever the case is, waving a Nazi flag or one of them crazy Confederate flags or whatever the case is, and you would have come to me and say, You had Nazi flags, Confederate flags there, I'm gonna be like, What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? I can't be responsible. Right. And then all the way down in that other state, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't, is it that, how is that any different than when they smear uh, police protests? You feel what I'm saying? Usually where you'll find police are infiltrating to cause damage and break up windows or whatever the case. Sometimes what you'll find is people from other communities, black people from other communities will come into your community and tear it up. You, you understand where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, yo, you don't even live here. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So no, that is that is true. Smearing of, of, of this broad smearing of entire groups just never made any sense to me. Well, Max Blumenthal was there at the trucker protest. And Max Blumenthal's perspective, like the video footage that he captured did not show what people were saying like he said yeah there may have been a trucker here or there that had like a confederate flag or someone that may have had like was flying like a nazi flag but that was not the majority of the truckers that were there and so mm-hmm. but see the but the media took that and ran with it because they didn't want momentum to build up behind the trucker protests and i even said back then i said look you don't have to agree with what they're protesting about because they were protesting over the mandates. I'm like, you don't have to agree with that. But what you should ask yourself, as workers, do they have the right to withhold their labor? And that was my whole point about the trucker protests. I mean, they really, like, that really could have gained more steam if it if it had pretty much, like, transitioned into the United States as well as the U.S. truckers were would have been a part of that as well. That re- That also could have been our general strike. But see, that's why the media tried to smear because they knew like, uh-oh, that affects supply supply chain. We have to try to s- say bad things about this so that people right. don't I, jump on board with it. No, I understand that. I understand. See, I expect corporate media to do that. I was specifically talking about so-called independent media like uh, TYT and, 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 all of, and all of them who were, who were smearing who are doing this spirit, you know, David Dole and Figueroa, who, whoever, you know what I'm saying? Who should know better? Well, they're all on the same, they're all a part of that TYT network. So they all have the same narrative. So they're, they're going to go with the same thing, but again, they don't want people to do that either. They don't want a general strike. Yeah. So it's just like, they know that'll affect supply chain. And I think the thing is, it's just like, look, at some point, something has to give. Mm-hmm. You know, 
But John, are you surprised that people are having these smears towards him of all people? No, not not particularly, because, again, I think it, it's just it's just a real easy way to kind of like shut down any a, anything. Because, like, you know, yeah, like in a like Roger was saying, you know, you have like a giant protest. You can't help who shows up, first of all. And then I think kind of kind of to, to what you were saying, Savvy, like, you know, even if somebody has like, let's say, like 98 percent, like horrible, horrible views. What if they're showing up and protesting the right thing that one time, you know, and only the perfect people can come protest, you know, and like speak out against something like mandates or, or, you know, or whatever, like, you know, the, anybody who's on the side of the right thing, you know, like, you don't have to agree with them on everything. You're not going to agree with anybody on everything, you know? And then I guess just related and like, I don't mean to be like, you know, conspiratorial, but it would seem to me that like a real, real easy way to shut down any future protest would be to just, you know, have a got a bunch of guys in a van with, uh, you know, some Confederate flags and some swastikas and you can get the media to cover it. And then, uh, you know, no one will talk about what the protest was actually about. And everybody will just talk mm. about how horrible the people are who are there. So I just don't think it's a good climate where it's that easy to just kind of like change exactly what we're talking about, you know, like to, and to get to what, uh, CR said before, I think that, you know, he made a good point. Like, you know, we're sitting here talking about a lot of the left versus right stuff, but I think some of the most interesting Twitter files things, and this is like, you know, what Matt Tybee talked about, and he had a Ken Ken Klippenstein from The Intercept on, but, you know, there's all this stuff about, like, you know, this direct pipeline of, like, FBI and DHS into social media, and, like, we're all busy talking about Elon Musk and, like, you know, and what people are being, like, uh, suppressed and not suppressed but like we should be i think a big part of the story that's getting hidden by all of this like left versus right and who are the journalists and who are the people and is elon releasing everything is like you know i'm i'm pretty concerned with how easy you know with this like pipeline from the government to these big tech companies and you know this idea of like you know this you know Matt Tybee talks about it in Griftopia and like, you know, the, the PMC, but to me, like, it's all just one big group, you know, the Robert Reichs who were, you were talking about earlier, the, you know, it's, it's just this group of people that they want to, they don't mind if there's a problem because they profit from being seen as being on the right side of the problem. They profit from, you know, they sell papers and they sell views and they sell their brand by being seen as like a warrior on the right side of things. And if they can profit from it and with some of the journalists, if they can like keep their access and keep being seen as powerful and influential, even if they're quote unquote independent, then I don't know, it just doesn't seem to matter. I don't know. Sorry, I was babbling for a while, but it's a, a sad state of affairs, I think. And I'm, I'm happy all this information is being released because anybody who wants anything to get better should just be like, you know, just look at the information itself, you know? Yeah, and that's a really good, interesting point, too, because another thing that came out from those Twitter files was the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story that it was suppressed, right? That they were mm-hmm. they were told to suppress that story. And let's think about this, guys. Imagine if that story wasn't suppressed and it gained a lot of media attention. Now, this was during Joe Biden's election. This was during the same year. And it gained a lot of media attention. Do you guys think all those people would have still voted for Joe Biden? Don't all speak at once. No, it's, 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 it's really hard to say. You know, I've always been interested how little the media talks about that. Because remember when Trump was in office, he got in trouble for talking to Zelensky, trying to get dirt on Hunter Biden. 
And now mm-hmm. it's like, and then that whole whole thing disappeared. And now we're, you know, there's a war in Ukraine. I don't know, like, I, I, I it could easily have, I think, had 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 an influence, you know, because everybody talks about the, you know, the more salacious parts of it. But like, you know, again, no, everybody keeps sweeping under the rug the sort of like the possible kickbacks, you know, like why why was his son working in Ukraine? You no, know, I, I think there's like interesting things that people would want to know about with respect to that for sure. Yeah. And I, I really, I really wonder because remember some people feel that Hillary's email, some people feel that that actually hurt her in the 2016 election. Remember she was beating him in the polls and then they kept getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And so I really wonder if that story would have came out on every major media outlet and it was huge news and people actually found out what was on that laptop. I seriously wonder if Joe Biden would have won. Well, the, at Twitter, they were clearly afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were terrified of that, because think about it. If that happened, let's say that happened right before Super Tuesday. Bernie Sanders would have won Super Tuesday. That would have changed the whole game. Think about it. Bernie Sanders would have won Super Tuesday. Then we go into, oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to South Carolina. (laughs) Backtracking. Let's say it happened before South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Biden still may have tried to probably won South Carolina because of Jim Clyburn. I don't know. They would have tried to put someone forward, but nobody else was polling as high as him and Bernie Sanders in South Carolina. But... Just say it happened during that time. Again, would Joe Biden, let's say Joe Biden did win the primary. Would he have beaten Trump if that information came out? I seriously think he probably would not have. I think he would have lost because I've heard about some of the things that are on that laptop. Do you guys remember when like, what's the name of that group? 4chan, 2chan, 2chains or something? There was a group of- 4chan? Yeah. There was a group that hacked into his laptop. I don't know if you guys remember this. This was like a, a couple months ago. And they put they put pictures and stuff on Twitter. And then like Twitter had to go into panic mode and like remove all these tweets. But like they had hacked into the laptop. And I was like, holy crap, what the hell is this? Like some of the information that was on Hunter Biden's laptop. It was damning stuff. I don't even know if I can say it on here. But it was damning stuff. And I'm like, if that information would have gotten out during the election... I don't think Joe Biden would have won. I think those were um, all those people probably had some connection with with uh, Hillary Clinton or something. Or, or, you know, all those people that left Twitter or maybe Obama. It could have been, man. Like, I'm telling you, like. First of all, they tried to say the laptop wasn't real. Then we found out the laptop was real. Then they're like, oh, there's nothing on the laptop. Then we find out there are things on the laptop. Oh, yeah, they did that whole uh, Russian disinformation smear with it, right? Like, you know, all those all yep. those officials with all the hallmarks, uh, you know, of, of Russian disinformation. Yeah. But anyway, I've been taking up en- enough of your time. But yeah, I-, I think the I think the Twitter file stuff is 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 really interesting. And with Matt Taibbi, and I don't know if you know this, Abby, but but 
my understanding is like, you know, doesn't he just basically make all of his money off Substack subscriptions? Like he's about as independent as I think you can actually get, you know, like he doesn't even have like a, I don't believe he works for any sort of like bigger organization or anything, or even has like his own publication. I just think he writes a newsletter and people pay him a few bucks a month. So. Yeah, he, I think it's just Substack and he, he also writes books. Um, I think if I don't, if I remember correctly, I think he said he was taking a break from useful idiots because he was working on a book. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's good that journalists like that are the ones who, you know, are people who don't have that, that financial incentive because it's just, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough. And like I said, even some of the independent media, I think it's like, a little, a little sad because it's clear that some of the independent journalists are, are really just like, you know, like partisans in disguise. And, you know, I think anybody who like really just wants the information out to the public should be, you know, pretty, pretty supportive of this stuff. You know, if you imagine like, imagine it's like, uh, and obviously Twitter's not nearly as bad, but like, you know, if there was like a, a tobacco company or something where the new owner let some reporters rummage through the files to find wrongdoing in the past like we probably applaud that you know we'd probably be happy about it so uh you know uh the washington post is only releasing the information jeff bezos wants us to get so i think any uh, any information we get we should be happy about because it's all being you know controlled a little bit by somebody with a lot of money if you go far enough up the line we just happen to know who it is in a couple of places and don't know the names of the people in a lot of others that's right that's right well said Oh, thanks, Abby. You have a good night. Thanks, John. You too. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring in Frank. All right, Frank, you're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hi, Sabby. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. I I don't think I've called into you in about 40 pounds. (laughs) I've lost (laughs) about 40 pounds since the last time I talked to you. (laughs) Oh, wow. um, Yeah. Um, I, I, I did, I do want to talk about, um, uh, I'm still, I'm still banned on Twitter (laughs) and, um, I actually have seven accounts that are banned. One was banned, um, simply because, uh, um, congratulations. Um, I, I, you, you, you often say that, uh, Mass reporting, people mass report. No, these are Democratic Party operatives that report. And I, I know mm-hmm. I know who these people are. <laughs> and the, the one I'm looking at, I'm trying to get back onto, on, onto Twitter with my CO People's News um, account. And um, they're still stuck at, uh, at not even responding to a, my, my appeal. And I've shown this to other people. To other people of what they reported me for and said they're going there's there's nothing there <laughs> and, and, oh my God. and um yeah they, they do they this to me all the time what'd you do well, i could actually well one one of these that was reported what um was bootlickers ignore neoliberal fascist lawlessness <laughs> and then that I did a link. Uh, I'm not too sure what the link is to, but um, another one, just a blue mafia, blue mafia bootlicker and a complete corrupt coward. I said that about a, an actual person running for office who actually happened to be Polis's um, first uh, uh, campaign manager when he ran for uh, 
for the first time he ran for uh, U.S. representative. So <laughs> I don't think you get more bootlicking oh. than that. <laughs> and, and yeah, so and there's there's another one, but it's a little longer. Uh, but it's really it's just like this. You're you're actually banning some, and this was back from June 19th, and then the third one is actually from December 1st of 2021. So they went back six months and got something like, no, there's no, there's nothing there again. I'm telling, I'm actually telling them no one should take ethics or civics advice from you. <laughs> Vote for felons. And they do. <laughs> oh, and yeah. And by the way, uh, the Colorado General Assembly changed first degree um, malfeasance from a felony to uh, a misdemeanor. It is not a wonder why they did that. <laughs> and that it does include uh, Emily Sarota. <laughs> and uh, because they are committing malfeasance. And that's what I harp on about the, because they failed their regulatory oversight laws. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if some of your listeners could actually uh, uh, tweet out uh, um, include my my uh, name and, and tell Elon and Twitter to actually let me back on at uh, CO People's News is is my is my uh, handle and uh, tell Elon to let me back on because he said it was just about uh, people breaking the law and I didn't do that. <laughs> can you put it in the chat? So can you put your handle in the chat so people can, can yeah, see that? Yeah, what I'm done. Yeah, I'll do that when I'm done speaking. Yes, and and uh, um, and I also I did uh, uh, my my lawsuit against what is called MPAC here in Colorado. MPAC uh, was served today, so uh, I'm pretty pumped. Um, I wrote a lawsuit, and a, an attorney filed it for me. She she edited it and everything, um, uh, but I'm trying to get rid of MPAC. MPAC was the group of doctors that uh, we're okaying the ketamine uh, for people to be injected with ketamine here in Colorado a couple years ago. And the person that did the service was actually inject, injected with ketamine because his girlfriend is a Lakewood city councilor and they wanted to retaliate against her for speaking the truth. And, um, <laughs> and so he actually wow. died in the ambulance but was resuscitated, but they don't keep any statistics on if they were resuscitated or not. And is I that know the same thing? Is, is that the same thing that they gave to um, Elijah McClain? Is that the Absolutely. same thing he was injected yes. with? He was injected oh with that. Elijah McKnight um, also made some news. Um, Hunter Barr in Colorado Springs got very little news, but he he was injected with ketamine. His, fa his uh, father just called for paramedics um, because he took he had a what had a, either a bad reaction or an OD on on LSD, and um, the cops got there first and told him to inject him with ketamine um, instead of just taking him to the hospital and doing what they need to do to, to um, get rid of the the drugs. They in injected him with ketamine and. I mean, has a contraindication with alcohol. It has a contraindication with LSD. Has a contraindication yep. with fentanyl. Um, and um, he died because of that. And he never, never made it to the hospital. So, um, it, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's there was a, a lot of shenanigans. And this was, we know this is a. Um, they were giving data to 
a company called ESO Corporation, which is a, a Wall Street traded medical data corporation. And uh, we don't know that I have asked and asked and asked and all the hospitals would shut me down for re records requests of uh, finances to uh, to and from this ESO Corporation concerning ketamine, but they will never give that to, to me. So. Um, so this, this lawsuit is actually to shut, uh, impact that advisory council that had no other, uh, no other reason to be alive, um, than, than to do things like ketamine and make money for those particular doctors. And, um, it's, wow, it's Frank. yeah, we really gotta go. <laughs> so, yeah, for yeah, people who don't um, know, I, I should explain to people if, for those who are not aware, Elijah McClain, um, a uh, black teenager, I think he was 19 years old at the time. Uh, he actually yeah. went to a convenience store to get like a tea or something like that. Uh, apparently, yeah. I believe he was like autistic as well. And so he he had some type of, um, I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it's called, but he had some type of uh, dis disorder or illness yeah, he, where he, he, he would get cold very, yeah. he would get cold very easily. Yeah, so he when he went outside in the winter, when he went outside in the winter, he had to cover when he went outside in the winter, he had to cover his face as well. Uh -huh. Like he his body would his temperature would drop for his body. He would get very cold. So somebody called the police and said there was a suspicious black man walking around. The police showed up and he was trying to explain to them about his condition. The police basically said that he was resisting. This is all on camera, by the way, said that he was resisting. Yeah. They injected him with that uh, ketamine, what he was just, uh, Frank was just talking about, and he died. Yeah, and, and one thing about that impact is that the, um, the police that, that uh, restrained him and beat him, beat Elijah McClain and the paramedics that injected him, are all being tried for manslaughter. The doctor that was part of this impact um, uh, and used used a bogus waiver, an illegal waiver, to waive ketamine so that he could tell the paramedics to do it. We're all using um, ketamine to, to whoop up the cop, protect the cop scam, because we need to send in a paramedic to protect a cop. I'm like that doesn't make any sense. But um, it was working, and so that they were all being whooped up by this, and while the doctors were making the money, and and uh, um, you know, the, so the, it, it you know it upset the cops that you know, hey, we got it, we got it, you know, uh, a drug that we can use to restrain people with, and and the paramedics were, you know, I got to work with the cops, <laughs> and so that's that's what happened, and but nothing has happened to any of these doctors that were telling the paramedics and the police to do this. Um, they weren't charged with anything. Um, doc, Dr. Hill, uh, Eric Hill, and, uh, um, who is actually a, a, a state employee with uh, UC Health um, Hospital in Aurora, just to east of here, he, he, he is, still has his license. No complaints were made against his license. Um, and, and he actually signed a waiver saying, that uh, his license may be revoked if he does not supervise and train the paramedics for this drug, 
Well, he didn't, he didn't supervise and train them, and it actually says that in the indictment of the paramedics. <laughs> but our, our attorney general and our DAs protect the PMC. Um, you know, and I don't have a problem with them going after these cops and, and paramedics, but where's the doctors that were actually contriving up this scheme? So that I'm trying to break break up that um, uh, that impact so that ty this type of stuff doesn't happen again. And, they, and they're they're trying it with other drugs too. They're tr they're trying to find other drugs to play games with. Jeez. Oops! I accidentally I had accidentally muted myself. That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> to, um, that's unfortunate to hear, uh, Frank. Um, I yeah. do want to sure I get to the next caller. Okay. Um, but thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be sending you uh, some emails, some stories, uh, probably in the next couple, two, three weeks or so, on my from my uh, Colorado People's News, and I'm I'm gonna. I've been focusing on lawsuits, but now I'm going to focus, you know, put some more of my focus on uh, getting those stories out. So, okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. Delthea, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hey, hey. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Yay. How you doing today? I'm good. Hi, Delphia. Well, I'm going to tell you about Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi is a basically decent guy who does his job, which means that 98% of the people who work with him hate him. Nothing will get you headed faster than being a decent person and doing your goddamn job. <laughs> That's a good point, Delthea. Okay, that's what that's what's up with him. He's not perfect. He's what we used to call a reform liberal, which is just to the right of a sock down. But he's a basically decent person, and he tells the truth as he sees it. And we can't have that because the mainstream media is here to lie. That's what mm -hmm. they are here to do. They are here to lie to promote. The propaganda. And he That's doesn't, so he got to go. Yeah, and it's just, you know, like I said, the same thing happened with Glenn Greenwald. Like, everyone loved him when he broke the Edward Snowden story. And then, like, over the years, people were like, oh, my God, he's secret right wing. And I'm like, how? Like, it just didn't well, Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi supported Bernie Sanders. Yeah. He would. He did. And I mean, and Glenn Greenwald, okay, Glenn, Gre <laughs> Glenn Greenwald, he's not, he's not going to toe the line just to toe the line. Right. So he also has to go. He's not anti-capitalist or anything like that, but he won't, he won't walk that line. Look. Left-wing neoliberals, which is what we have in this country that we call leftists, but they are left-wing neoliberals. They are neoliberals who want neoliberalism to be nicer. You know, kind of like they want a happier prison. <laughs> so, so that's, what they, that's what they want. So but anytime you, they have a list. 
this is what I have found to be true about liberals, particularly white liberals, but liberals in general. They have a list. And these are, these are the Ten Commandments or Twenty Commandments or 3,492 Commandments of Liberalism. And you are not allowed to step outside of these commandments. Now, why are these commandments the commandments? We don't know. What is the moral basis of the commandments? We don't know. We've just been told that we have to do this, this, and this. And that's all they want. They don't want to understand the moral backing of what it means to be a left. They don't want that. They just want you to give them a simple list of rules and we'll, 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 and we will promote the right people and the right ideas and then we don't have to think about it. We ain't got to feel about it. We ain't got to do nothing about it except defend it at all costs against people who might say something against those rules. They are no better than the people who want to put the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. Like the Ten Commandments got a goddamn thing to do with the courthouse. Understand, all neoliberals, left and white wing, they're still neoliberals, and that's how they think. They're very simple people. Yeah, I always keep telling people America is actually a conservative country, you know, especially once we get out of, like, these circles. Like, I remember I thought we were, I thought we were bigger than we are. Like, I remember Bernie, like, 2016, Bernie 2020, especially Bernie 2020, because Bernie had even more momentum then. Like, Oh, and, yeah. I thought we were bigger than we were. And then I would go visit my parents in South Carolina. And I was like, you know, a lot of people like in rural South Carolina didn't even know who Bernie Sanders was. They were like, who? And I was just like, oh, damn. We are not as big as, yeah. A lot of people just did not know. Of course they didn't. I'll tell you a, little, tell you a short story. My kid's friend, Sean. Sean's a good kid. Um, they were going to their graduation practice. And Sean bust into my house. I know what I am! And I was like, okay, Sean, what are you? I'm an agnostic! And I'm like, wait a minute, Sean, you just heard the word agnostic and you're 17 years old. Yes, I've been wondering what I was and now I know! And in that moment, I understood what was wrong with so many people around me. It's not that they don't want to do good. They don't have the language to do good. And what the mainstream media does as an arm of, 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 of the government and the people who own the government is they keep the language away from the people. Because once you shape the language, you shape the ideas. And when you're in the South, particularly in like a state like, oh, I don't know, South Carolina. And you have a person, oh, I don't know, Clyburn. He can mold the opinion by eliminating certain words. So, yeah, we're a conservative country because we are also an illiterate country. We don't know the words, therefore we can't shape the ideas so things fall apart. I, I would say also, I would add that not only do we um, not teach what these different words are, we d demonize certain words mm -hmm. that we should be embracing, like socialism. Oh, communism, not yet. Where, where we're just, it's socialism. It's all about society. Mm -hmm. Communism. Mm -hmm. 
all about building community. That's literally but people have a different kind, a negative connotation of these words so that they don't even Uh have time to even want to learn. They just get triggered by it and then they don't want to learn. That's why the younger generation is the most um, the most optimistic about because they have an open mind. And, they're and they more have the internet to, to teach them. Yeah, they're more likely to embrace socialism too. I learned that from my students. Like they're more likely mm-hmm. to be accepting of it, especially when it comes to issues like climate change, uh, because that will affect their future and they know that. And I think I think Case has a good point about how some of these words have been demonized. And I mean, look at the way that like the Black Panthers were vilified. Like, look at the way Uh that people like when Bernie Sanders was running, you know, I have many criticisms of Bernie Sanders now. But at the time when he was running, look at the way that mainstream media vilified Bernie Sanders and said, oh, my God, he wants to make America communist. He's this evil socialist person. And I was just like. So then how do you feel about countries like Germany and Norway and Denmark mm-hmm. that have like these, these same programs that have healthcare mm-hmm. for everyone? Like, are those people evil too? Like, are you going to demonize those people too? And it's just like, when you think back mm-hmm. on it, like the whole idea of it, the whole yeah. idea of it is just that it's really ridiculous, Delthea. Like when you think about it, like how is that agree. even radical? To think that everyone can have health care. And Bernie Sanders it isn't is. even anywhere as left as like he used to be like back in the 70s. Oh no, he's nowhere near that anymore. He's nowhere near that anymore. But they were talking about him, like they talked about Bernie Sanders on mainstream media, like he was like Malcolm X or somebody. I was like, <laughs> really? Oh, they so they thought he was Stalin. They thought they had gone to, they thought they had gone to the Kremlin. And got Stalin's body and reanimated it and gave the crazy white hair. Yeah, they mistaken. They mistook Obama for Malcolm X. <laughs> if you remember that, <laughs> I yeah, know. Did, that's true. I, know. I I met Barack Obama when he was running. I met him twice, and trust and believe there was nothing. There was no great leftist emanating from this man. Okay, this was a man yeah, who I actually watched. I actually watched him kiss a baby. That is how run of the mill he is. I actually watched this man kiss a baby. <laughs> he kissed a baby and he hugged my mama. Oh. So he hugged an old lady and kissed a baby. Come on now, <laughs> S- Sabrina. I have to give case study QB credit because case study did not vote for Obama. <laughs> No. Case Case caught on early on and was like, "I'm not voting for this guy." <laughs> nah, so Case, you knew. I knew, and I'll tell you when I knew. Because at first, I I was a Ron Paul supporter, but then I came over to voting green that year. Right, it took about uh-huh. a year for me to transfer over, but I knew when he voted as a senator, he voted for the um. No, not the bailout. It was an act to give telecom immunity. It was because at the yeah. time, the CIA was working with the telecom um, companies like AT&T, et cetera, and they mm-hmm. were literally funneling. They had their own like coaxial cable that went straight to the CIA, and they were funneling, mm-hmm. funneling all of our phone calls straight straight to the source. So they needed 
uh, uh, Congress to approve immunity so they couldn't be prosecuted because they were violating our First Amendment rights. And Senator Barack mm-hmm. Obama was one of the people who voted to give telecom immunity, and he sold us out. But this is the kicker. My thing is this man said he was a constitutional professor. How in the world are you a constitutional professor? You know the in and out. Now, a normal person, you and I, we, you know, I'll speak for myself. I'm not like a scholar of the Constitution. But if you are teaching the Constitution to people, you should be the one screaming about it, right? Like, no, no, we should not do this. Da, da, da. He went right along, and I was like, no, nah, I can't. I can't do it. Okay, Dave, don't, don't ever make the mistake of thinking because somebody knows what's right that they're going to do what's right. It was right. <laughs> okay? Don't ever make that mistake. People say, well, he, he, he's a preacher. He should know better. He does know better. He just don't give a fuck. No, no. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's the first time I heard that for the <laughs> I'm woken up now. I'm woken up like this. I'm a cursing. Let me tell you something. I, I'm going to tell you about my day, and you'll understand why. I was supposed to get off tonight at 7 o'clock. I got off at 8.30. 8.30. You make me stay. I am. I was an hour and a half late for my bourbon. I was not a happy camper. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Don't make me late for my bourbon. Uh, no, you, you got to blame Sabrina for that. No. That, was, that was not Sabrina's fault. I know whose fault it was, and his will roll. <laughs> uh, by the way, I put in the um the chat a news clip into um this is back in two thousand eight, and the headline of New York in New York Times it says Obama voters protest his switch on telecom immunity. Just so that I have the receipts for people who wanted to know is in the chat. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna let y'all go because it's late, and I, I I still got a corner in my bourbon bottle I got to take care of. <laughs> I will talk to y'all later. Have a good night. Thanks, Delthea. Thanks, Delthea. Uh, Roger. You had you were trying to say something. You were trying to ask me something. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just asking. Um, oh, no, well, it was more or less. Um, you had said that we are um, a conservative country. That's really more of an educated guess. And the only reason why I say that is the only way we would actually be able to get a real uh, count of that is if 40 of these states were ballot initiative states in terms of, especially in terms of placing um, initiatives on the ballot to uh, ratify their constitution. I mean, that's when we would know and have a good, I mean, right yeah. now there's only, out of the 23 ballot initiative states, only 17 of them allow them to um, uh, uh, put, to change their constitution through that process. I would love to at least get to 40. Then we could get a full, a, a concrete count of um, where we are on certain issues. But that's that's about it. I'm going on mute. Got to that's a good point. Um, I actually, so like my husband and I, we were looking at maps uh, recently of the past presidential elections. 
And it's crazy how the country has changed in reference to voting. The fact that like Bill Clinton was able to win Southern states, and I don't mean just his home state of Arkansas, but he won multiple Southern states. He had the most blue states that I can remember. Like based on what I saw, he had the most blue states, you guys. Then we went to, obviously, uh, W. Then we went to Obama. Obama didn't have more blue states than Bill Clinton. And it makes you wonder what happened. Like what really changed? If you go back and you look at the elections of Ronald Reagan, you look at the map, almost the entire country was red for Ronald Reagan, both times. So something happened because now, and I feel like since Obama, now it's like, we all know we have those, those key like blue states and we know which states are most likely going to be red, maybe a swing state here or there. But something definitely changed. The fact that Ronald Reagan had almost the entire country red. I think there were two blue states. By the way, Massachusetts was red. So something definitely changed. Let me go ahead and bring in um, bad cookies. Just got to unmute. Evening, Sammy. How are you? Hello, how are you? I'm not doing too bad. Oh, I wanted to make a quick comment on what you just said. Um, Reagan started with his Reaganomics, a good money laundering scheme that boomed the economy and made billions for Wall Street, like millions at the time it was billions. Well, what would relatively now be billions. And uh, the reason that the reason Clinton had that behind him was because he started following that same pattern too. him and third way decided, hey, we need to start using that corporate money too. Cause look, it's, it's bountiful there. Look, since Reagan, it's been sitting there and we don't use it. We should use it. <clears throat> it's just, uh, once you start following the money, you start realizing why certain people are always supported heavily. Um, but that's beside the point. And that's my own personal opinion. Uh, as to with this Matai EB Twitter file smears, it's, this is an insane story. How did you, how did you come about this Abby? I follow him on Twitter and I saw it when it dropped. Uh-oh, we lost bad cookies. I don't know what happened. Let me bring bad cookies back in. Um, yeah, I followed Matt I follow him on Twitter and I, I saw it the the first night it dropped. All right. I was trying to mute myself and I accidentally dropped the call. My bad. Yeah, it went viral. And so that was one of the tweets that definitely did show up in my Twitter feed. Yeah, I, I think I think Matt kind of poisoned himself a bit by bringing Barry Weiss along because Barry Weiss has already burnt her bridges with the establishment previously. So having her name tied to Ta, uh, Taibi, the, these right-wing smears were, were there before, but they weren't as prevalent as they are now. And that's because they need to tie Matt Taibi to the right because unfortunately the shit lips are real easily convinced and they easily easily dismiss anyone that's tied to the right wing. I have had it many times here and in this in this chat itself where I've been called 
a right winger or or like some kind of Jimmy Dore fan. And and that's one of the things there is they, they tie these so-called right wingers to the right in order to not have your voice heard anymore. You know what I mean? I, I know you have this all the time, Savvy. You got called a right winger just for that same reason, just so that when left wingers that don't hear you or don't know who you are, if they're curious about you, they'll be like, oh, she's just a fucking right winger. Don't listen to her. Is this Has this been your experience when being called? Oh, it started when I started to criticize uh, the squad and Bernie Sanders. That was when it started. And whereas some people just didn't want to make those criticisms. But it's funny because those people are making those criticisms now. Uh, I just saw it earlier than they did. And that's when it started. Um, so I guess it was just like for a lot of us, and, and some people are saying this about Brie too. Some people are smearing her as like right wing. and It's just, it's just really funny. It's really funny. That's how I know, like, I'm like, people don't watch this. They're not watching my show. They're just seeing one clip or seeing that I had a certain person on and just coming up with their own perceptions or seeing a tweet and just, you know, but some of these people know better. Some of these people are just trolls. I told you guys this troll accounts on Twitter. So some of these people are just trolls. What I found is just to ignore these people. Like I, like, honestly, this is why a lot of times I don't respond. Just to like ignore them. Because once you start arguing with them, you just feed into it and you're giving them exactly what they want. And they're trying to get you angry so they can get you booted off Twitter. That's what a lot of it is. But yeah, once once you start criticizing, because we were criticizing the Democratic Party back when Bernie was running. Like I was just like, man, no, you cannot vote for Joe Biden or any of those people, right? But the difference was back then that was accepted because you were still supporting Bernie Sanders. Once I started to criticize Bernie Sanders and say, look, Bernie is not doing what he said he was going to do. Bernie Sanders is lying about Joe Biden's performance. That was when people started to get upset because some people see Bernie Sanders as a savior. And to some people, they're just like, how dare you criticize Bernie Sanders? No one can. Someone told me this one time um, in a live chat. This is why I don't go into other people's live chats anymore, but because it's just, it's just a mess. I'd rather just watch the show. But I was in another show's live chat and they said that RBN is uh, bad faith actors because we criticized Bernie Sanders. And they said that no one on the left should ever criticize Bernie Sanders. And that's when I knew that too many people in these political spaces have idolized these politicians and they look to them as a savior instead of just liking their policies. And I think that was the difference between me and them. I liked the policies, but I didn't see Bernie Sanders as like an idol. And this is why I continue to say on my show, don't idolize these politicians because they're just gonna hurt you and disappoint you. My dad always told me like, don't meet your heroes because he said you won't be happy you know when you meet them but we all have to understand like at the end of the day like they're human and they're not going to they're not a superhero 
And I think a lot of people saw Bernie Sanders as that. And some people still see him as that. And so I'm just like, people will just have to find out on their own. Like, I, I, you know, I can't continue to say like, well, no, Bernie Sanders has lied about some of the things that he said he was going to do. He's lied about Joe Biden. Like, you guys have seen these things, but they don't care because they still feel like we should worship Bernie Sanders because he's the one that woke us up. Uh, and it depends on who you talk to because some people woke up before Bernie Sanders. So it's just, it's it's really sad. It's really cringe and it's kind of weird actually that people feel that way. No, I, I completely agree with you, especially on the part where you're like, uh, don't meet your heroes. Because uh, like when you had Nader and Jesse Ventura on, they were my heroes. I never idolized those people, but I did have respect for them. I was like, hey, these guys, in my mind, they were always like rebellious. They were they were independent, but after after hearing them on your show, I was like, man, these guys are not independent at all. They're part of the machine. They just they're just not in as deep as some of these other people are. Some people are neck deep, and these people are just dipping the toes. And like when uh, Jesse Ventura was sitting there pushing Tesla during your interview, that was embarrassing. Dude. But uh, uh, I know I was I was kind of surprised by that myself, like. People have changed, man. Like, I'm telling you, after Trump, some people have Trump derangement syndrome. I'm not kidding. And so the biggest fear is like, oh, my God, we could end up with Donald Trump again. So, look, we got to go with whoever the Democratic Party throws out. And I'm just like, that defeats the whole purpose of the progressive movement. If in the end, you're just going to tell everybody to vote for Hillary Clinton or vote for Joe Biden or whoever is the corporate Democrat that's running then you're not really serious about trying to take on the pharmaceutical industry and to take on these oligarchs. You're not serious. They're not, they're not Sebs. And this, this whole divisive thing right now that they're doing is also not serious. It's just something that they need to use in order to keep us divided. Cause that's all it, all this really is, is, Hey, now from now on, all they have to say is Matt Taibbi is a right winger. Oh, he's a right winger. We don't have to listen to anything he says. And and it's a shame because, you know, it's usually the liberals that sit there and tell you, hey, you know, we're open minded. We're we're here to hear ideas. And, and you know, we're we're big 10. We're here to share it, uh, ideas with everyone. But then you start sharing your ideas and they tell you, yeah, your ideas are dumb. Shut the hell up. Like, that's not how you share ideas. And uh, it, it doesn't matter what you try to do. If it's not, oh, he's a right winger they'll call you a libertarian. If they don't call you a libertarian, they'll attack you in some other method or, or, or tie you to that. Like, like for you, for example, they'll say, oh, she had, like you said, she had this guy on. Oh, she had Hinkle on recently. You know, she must be a Hinkle bot. You know, it's, it's that kind of mentality that's so destructive. I think it's, it's so shameful, Savvy, to be honest with you. But um, thanks for listening to my rant. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a good night. Thanks so much. Go ahead. Kim. Yeah. So I, even in my early days of uh, getting into politics, I used to think that, yeah, all I have to do is vote, advocate for the right politician, get them into office, and then I could just sit back and relax. And the thing that we, we have to realize or something that I've realized is that you have to vote for the best person that you can. Uh, and this is in regards to electoral politics is, is, as much as you can. But on day one, you have to push that same politician. So if, even if we got Bernie into office, there's going to be things we have to push him on. You know, the the, the Palestinian Jewish um, or Israel, I should say, Palestinian Israel conflict. 
I'm sure we're going to have to push him on that because he doesn't even agree with BDS. You know, there's going to be things that he's going to be very easy. It's not, it's not going to be, um, we don't have to push him that much on like Medicare for all because he's obviously for it. But then there's going to be other areas that we are stronger on that he's not going to be as strong or he might see that all oh, the political wins is not it's not easy to get that done. So I'll put that on the back burner. And even if we had a Green Party candidate <laughs> as president, we still have to push and push and push. And and that's one thing that's that right. I'll That's right. I, I think you're right there, Case. I think a lot of times like we expect like the politician to just kinda come in and pick up the reins, right? Like, okay, they won. Okay, bye. You know? And then we, we kind of learn, like, if we do just sit back like that, what happens? They don't try to fulfill their promises. No one's holding them accountable. They just continue to be like the other politicians. And I think that is that is a mistake that, that we've kind of made along the way. Not only that, but we need to also create the political pressure for that person to then say, like, if it's Bernie Sanders, say, hey, man. We need to do this BDS thing because, look, there's a million people outside the White House protesting for us to do BDS. So I guess we got to do it, you know, and, and, and that would create that political pressure on the inside. So, if, you know, with my old thinking of let's just get the right person in there and then we could just go back to watching, you know, chilling and relaxing. We always have to be involved. And that's where political education comes in. And that's why I'm trying to read up on a lot of books on union labor and the labor movement. And you gave me those two um, great books that I'm going to be checking out on mutual aid. We always have to be educating ourselves. And that's why political education is a big part. Yeah, it's like if you guys ever think about like um, athletes, right? What do athletes do? Do athletes just show up to the game and play? No, athletes practice. They go to practice, they train, they work out. They're always keeping their, or trying to keep their body fit so they do well in the game. Whether it's a football player, basketball player, soccer player, whatever. Athletes are really good with this. Well, Take that same concept and apply that to politics. Like we can't just talk about politics. We have to read about it. Like Case was talking about reading those mutual aid books. Like if you're a Marxist, if you're a socialist, you have to read what Marx said. You have to read, you know, what Lenin said. Like it's not just enough to just say, okay, I like these ideas, so I'm just gonna say I'm this label. You have to study it. And this is something that the Black Panthers were really good at. I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but the Black Panthers, we talk about how they did mutual aid and we talk about how they were helping people in the community, how they opened clinics and things like that. Sometimes what's left out is the fact that the Black Panthers they used to require reading like you had to read socialist books you had to read about it so that you could take the theory and then put it into action and i would say the same thing with politics i think it's not enough just to say okay i watch cnn or i watch msnbc and i'm good to go and 
I always try to like watch different things. This is why like I may show you a clip from MSNBC, but I may also show you a clip from Fox News so that you can see the contrast. You can see how the talking points are a little bit different, but you can also see that both of them still protect the billionaire class and things like that. I may show you an article from The Guardian, but then I may also show you an article from the World Socialist website so you can see the difference. So I think I think that's important. I think that's why like when I do my shows, I try to do that really well. I try to focus on getting different sources and seeing so you guys can see the talking points and see how they how they display that information because I, I have noticed a difference like someone said it earlier tonight world socialist website is is suppressed it is suppressed i only found out about world world socialist website because someone sent it to me not easy it's not easy to find but it's very easy to find cnn and msnbc you see what i'm seeing you see what i'm saying but that website is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same with Common Dreams, by the way. Yeah, Common Dreams is good as well. Um, I, I love that analogy that you gave, Sabrina, because I was thinking the basketball. I hear about the, the greats always talking about how every offseason they add one thing to their game. Like they focus on this one thing, like whether it's just they do a, a million hook shots or maybe they'll say I'll focus on my three-pointer this summer. And then you see that development the next season. Like, oh, wow, this person's three-pointers percentage has jumped up 10%. And that's how I see when you guys do the um, general strike summits and the various summits. Like, every year, you say, okay, what did we learn from the last year? What did we learn this year that we could apply and, and try to think about for the next year? And, and and that's something that we have to get in, in that habit of doing. And I appreciate RBN for definitely doing the whole thing. Yeah, we definitely have to keep like educating ourselves. We have to keep our minds sharp, you guys. Um, let me go ahead and bring in Dave. You are on the mic. Just have to hit unmute. Hello. How you doing? Hey, how are you? What's going on? Uh, good. I, I won't make a long. Uh... A long comment. I've come back a little bit from the stuff I was mentioning in the. Uh, oh, by the way, sorry for a little bit excessive lot uh, <laughs> in the live chat on the Ryan Grimm uh, on Rockfin, but I just I just started. I, I couldn't stop. I'm I'm sorry about that, but uh, uh, I don't think I said anything offensive. But it, it, I was uh, I was very. Uh, I think I had about forty comments in the <laughs> in the Rockfin live chat. So. Oh no worries. <laughs> Uh, so I'm good. I'm good. I, I, you know, on your question, if I, if I'm sticking to, I mean, I like the, what Jason you were saying about late about, you know, I have a, I've read a lot of labor history, but you know, I like what you're saying about reading the labor history and reading, even reading. I'm not a Leninist, you know, I'm not a communist Leninist, but I'm, I don't support everything Lenin supported, but if you're going to read Lenin to learn about that kind of, like, it's good to read those texts, um, like a book like What Is to Be Done. Um, or, um, like going back and reading, uh, some of Mark, like direct stuff. But there's another good, uh, if you're looking at labor history, like talking about like, you know, American unions, like black led unions of the, and like mixed, uh, unions of the like 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. 
there's, uh, there's a good book called uh, Labor's Untold Story that the, that the UE, the United Electrical Workers Union, used to put out. Um, that's a really good book, Labor's Untold Story. There's another book called Strike by uh, Jeremy Brecker. Um, that's a good book on labor history and it's like an overview of labor history. And, I mean, it'll give you a lot of the fights. Like Labor Untold Story was, uh, was I'll, I'll, I'll wind this up this comment, but Labor's Untold Story might be a little hard to find now. I think it might be out of print, but you could get a used copy. But that, I think the UE, the United Electric Workers first published that in like 1952. And then they did editions like through to the 80s. Okay, like the early labor movement really well, like the, 1860 to 1930 period with like Knights of Labor and Gompers and like the whole fight to establish unions in the United States, like in the, in the post civil war period. Uh, I mean, you'll get, you'll get stuff that like, you know, that you have to look in other books, like many different places to find the live histories and the, what they say there. Um, so labor's untold story. Labor's Untold Story. I forget the author, uh, but you'll find it on Amazon or any any like big book archive. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely you know check that out. I think that um, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up um, Ryan Ryan's article when he came on is because. And I know I, I told myself I said I'm not gonna go back and look at that chat. <laughs> Christ. I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> I said, I'm I said, I'm not going to go back and look at this chat because I know people do not like Ryan on here. Um, but the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because that article, regardless if you like Ryan Grimm or not, or agree with him, that article was actually really uh, well written. Mm -hmm. And the first part of that article talks about the, the history of the railroad workers in this country. Uh -huh. So I think it's just, I mean, I know we all have our opinions. I, you know, I still don't agree with Ryan about that issue. Um, right. And he's, he's incredibly he's smart guy. He's really, he's really, he's really quick and he's really, he's got a little reflective power, but he's, but like, he's, you know, he fakes emotions. He's interested in power and he's jealous of other leftists, I think. And he's also, you know, he's not really a leftist and he's, He's a very, very sharp journalist. Like he can put together a, he can do a live commentary very, very quickly and like shift on video, like the way you can. But he also, he all, he also can write. He also can like write out a two thousand word article with background, like you know, in the day. He can do that. He's so quite a good journal, quite a good journalistic ability. But he's he's unprincipled. <laughs> Lack he lacks integrity. So, yeah. I, that's that's my view of him. I'm sorry, like to say that I much, think, but yeah. I think that like we all have different styles. Like, yeah. You know, I have a, I have a different like I definitely have a different style, and I think that um, you know, I, I, I could see how much trouble you were having. It like I could see how I, I'm not having trouble, but it was a painful. I mean, <laughs> you weren't having trouble, but you were you biting your tongue. I could see you not only like thinking about how to respond to his little, his little wit vibes, like when he put things together in a quick breath and you had to think about whether, like, you know, that was a tough, he stayed on for more than an hour, I think. Um, 
uh, anyways, I was I was trying my best not to look at the chat because I was like, I already know what is <laughs> what is happening in the chat. But right. um, I think I think for me, like one thing I will say, I think him and David Sirota have the similarity where, like I said, like when it comes to their writing, like they write really well. They're great right. like writers. Um, but that being said, for me, I was just kind of like, look, even if you don't like Ryan or you don't agree with Ryan, you should still read that article because you don't even have to read the part where he goes into the vote. But the first part of that article where he goes into the history of the railroad workers in this country and the history of strikes in this country, everybody should read that part. It's actually really important. And so that was my thing. I think one yeah. thing I have kind of learned, like, it kind of takes me back to high school when I was on the debate team. My debate coach used to tell us, like, stick to the issues. Yeah. You can't make it personal. You can't bring religion into it. You have to stick to the issue at hand. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I've, I've gotten away from that. Like, sometimes, like, if I'm talking about a particular person and they just piss me the fuck off, like, sometimes I'm just like, well, fuck that mofo. <laughs> yeah, but you notice it. But in the you notice it. What I said in the chat. I mean, I'm not. I'm not just talking about myself. But like what I said in the chat was not. I did not. I t like I made a couple comments. Like no courage, no integrity. But my comments were specific to the issue to the issues that were going on. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to curse out Ryan Grimm in the chat or say that motherfucker or whatever. I wasn't trying to do that. Even though I know he's where he is in the con like in between those Congress people, he's having a bad influence on the federal government. So I took, but the thing is, you laid him out. You laid him out on the table, Seb. Like you laid the way you conducted that interview. You both debunked the things that he was, you know, what like you both debunked his prob problems with what he was saying, and you introduced people to that article, which gives background, which makes bad conclusions on the live issues, but gives the background on the railroad workers, right? And and also the way you did it was it makes it look like you're sort of the teacher in that situation you know what i'm saying so uh, anyways yeah well thank you that's, that's my response to what you were just saying there that's really <laughs> nice like well i was like well if he coming on here we're going to talk about this railroad thing and and the squad i'm going to show him what the dsa principles are which he may have already known that but still i wanted him to know that i knew right yeah he's thorough thorough yeah yeah <laughs> I'm yeah. going to show him what the principles are. I'm going to show him why they're messing yeah. up. You know, I like to have yeah. back it up, have something to back it up. Because otherwise, if you just sit there and just talk and you don't show any kind of evidence or anything, then it just comes across like you're just acting in bad faith. That's right. That's right. Yeah, if I was doing, if I was, doing, like, if I start, if I start doing something with the INN, for example, if I start doing something online with the INN, you know, I've worked, you know, I've worked with a journalist in the past, like I've written, I've published about 35 articles, you know, in past, but like if I start doing something live video, like I, I'll be, I'll be like collating sources and, and having things backed up and, and documenting things and presenting things like, you know, hopefully I won't, I won't be able to touch you because I don't have your, when I first start, I don't have your experience there, but yeah, that's what I'll, I, I would definitely be doing, be doing that if I, if I was presenting online. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And my thing is, too, is that also while he was there, I was like, this is you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to ask him, why does he smear activists on Twitter, but he can't smear the politicians? 
And granted, I know, like, he wants access, to, he wants to keep access to those politicians. Right, he'll so, never, uh, yeah, what, what, what's up with that? It's, it's, amazing, yeah. it's amazing how organized he is into his career, and that's what makes him a weak journalist, is that he's so organized into his, the settings of his career, that he will, he will say nothing to ruffle the feathers of, like, the 50 Congress people he's most, that he has the most access to say nothing therefore he can't really even report on anything bad or anything detailed about those congress people because you see what i'm saying i don't know so yeah i mean yeah. my thing is too is also that and this is something i think all of us need to keep in mind we'll see if they start to come on left independent media now ryan said he trying to work something he worked something out with one of them he thinks right. they don't even have to come on my show i'm just being honest because they don't even right. have to come on my show. But they yeah. need to go on someone's yeah. show. Some yeah. one show. And yeah. my whole thing is, is that we'll see if that happens. And the thing that I want to say is this. If that does happen, then great. Hopefully, they'll go on Bree's show. Because she's not going to be easy on them. Granted, TYT may not be easy on them either. But I think, but still, you know. I think I would like to see them go on Bree's show. Like, hopefully that will happen. That being said, he is the only person, the only person that we know that is able to talk to them. He's the only one. Yeah, the they, only they, you know, the Congress people are, I've never seen the Congress people further away from the, Amer from the American people than today, like in terms of the uh, uh, Accepting the flesh, or or allowing access, like allowing journalists to, like journalists that are on the progressive side. I can't really call Ryan that, but like, anyways, journalists that are progressive to talk to them. Most of the current people aren't allowing any serious journalists to. They're not giving an interview to any serious. <laughs> that's that's yeah, not a good thing. Yeah. Be the revolution said you won't get the real history from that man. Actually, I did look up the history after I read the article. It wasn't like the history was real. So I do just want to say that. Yeah, it's history. Look at well, history is real, but not the. But the issue now is that we have so much poverty that the national rail, having the National Railway Act as it exists, and having every congressperson, including the most progressive Democrats, vote for the National Railway Act to crush. A railroad workers strike when a situation of mass poverty in the country and the railroad workers are actually organized to fight back and they could have done, even if it wasn't a general strike, they could have done a successful strike which would have helped all laborers and the level of mistreatment of the railroad workers now is high. It's very high. They're like, they're, their lives are in danger from some of this shit. But the thing is, so, but no. the thing is most people are not believing Ryan though. I hope you guys do know this. I don't yes. know if everybody on here is on Twitter, but I am. And most people do. They don't want, they don't care. Like most right. people don't care what the strategy was. Most people that are arguing back against him are saying it doesn't matter. They are progressives or they're supposed to be socialists or whatever. They're a part of DSA. They are not supposed to break up a strike. That's what most of the responses have been. Ryan is still arguing with Shama Sawant. He's still right. arguing with her because she, she told her, she said, she said, what in the actual fuck? 
Right. So you knew, I mean, you knew, you actually, you actually, you let in the left media sphere, you led the education, the, the, the human, I mean, the people's education around that issue. You let, like, your podcast was the, was the leader, maybe along with Jimmy Dore, but, you know, you in a different way, you led that. And now Ryan's left. He's not saying that I, I'm not saying I want to fuck Ryan. I'm just, I want to fuck up Ryan. I'm just saying left pushing in the wind, attacking Shama, who everyone knows, you know, everyone left knows Shama is, and lots of unionists and laborers, they, they have much more respect for Shama than right. They don't, they don't care about Ryan Grimm in relation to Shama. So, so I mean, effectively Ryan was neutralized by, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever, but yeah. Yeah, like, he's, he's, I think he's mad at Shama, not because of her opinion, but because she called him a name. I think that's what pissed him off, because he went off off about her again today on Twitter, because Shama came to the RBN, and she she called, I forgot what she called him, she called him a snake, oh, a snake oil salesman. (laughs) She called him a snake oil salesman. And he she, she, used it, she used an antique term, but it's it's one that a lot of people know. So yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how he saw that clip. I guess I'll, maybe he does watch RBN. I don't know if he watches us or not. But he saw that clip where Shama Sawant uh, called him a snake oil salesman, and he retweeted, and he was really upset. And I was just like, dude, let this shit go. Like, at this point, just let it go. You did your story. You wrote your article. People don't agree with you. Let it go. Ryan's not going to get, he's not going to get, even, even like left Democrats will not, like left Democrats I know, they will not, uh, will not contradict people like me, you, Roger, Kate. I mean, on this issue, they will not, not publicly and not to our faces because they know they're going to get their asses handed to them in like any, any logic or any or any heart heart argument on it so but yeah, yeah it's just, it's just, but like like this is what i'm trying to tell you guys this is what here's the messed up part he's the only person that we know that can talk to them he's the only one and it's just it's some people may say oh but what about majority report we don't know those people i don't know any of them any of them, like they don't, they don't talk to us. We don't talk to them. Sorry, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, it just, it just. That's that's the thing that people have to understand, and it's just, it's really fucked up. Like it's really messed up. Like when I talk about the fact that there's so much gatekeeping, this is a part of the problem. And then it's like when I think about this Matt Taibbi thing with the Twitter files and everything, it's like, okay. Here's an opportunity. Elon Musk reached out to multiple journalists. It's not just Matt Taibbi, multiple journalists to cover this information from different political ideologies and people still piss. And that's why I was like, would you guys have been happy if he only reached out to people like Mehdi Hassan? Would that make you guys happy? No, people would still be mad. So he mixed it up a bit, and people were like, what the fuck? How dare you uh, ask? How dare you ask Matt Taibbi? How dare you ask Barry Weiss? How dare you ask da-da-da? I don't know. I don't know what is going on. <laughs> um, I want to congratulate everyone who was able to watch uh, Ryan Grimm speak without falling asleep. Um, I, it, was, it, was very, it was very hard for me. 
Um, I kept waking up when Sabrina was talking, but for the most part, every time this dude was talking, I, I was just like, oh, God. But but so, something else, though. Um, just a little bit off topic, but we need to start shifting the narrative or talk back toward income inequality. When these candidates start running, we should all be asking them, what's your plan to narrow the income inequality gap? You know what I mean? Like, once they start talking about, oh, we're going to rise wages, are you going to rise wages to set them permanently above cost of living? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you got to trap yeah. them. You feel what I'm saying? That that should be like the, you know what I mean? The you, Like hit them with that. Now, the other thing I was going to say was when um, you were talking about the, the, the Black Panthers and, and books, I remember listening to um, uh, public radio that broadcasts out of New York City. Um, K- did, uh, KBI? Uh, no, uh, it's, 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 uh, no. it's, oh, what was it called? Marjorie Kimberly does a, sh- does a, has oh, a oh, show yeah. on it. I love Mar. Yeah, I love Margaret Kimberly. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she was yeah. black, uh, uh, black agenda report for a long, long time. Uh, yeah, she she has a show every Thursday night. Um, but uh, anyway, um, I remember um, there was there was a show. Uh, it was like a little special or whatever the case was, and you know it was a couple of couple of guys from the um, and talking about when they were Black Panthers in New York City in the 60s. And one of the guys was saying that a young guy came into the office, because this this goes to what Case was talking about, about books, or maybe he was talking about books too. One guy came into the office and, you know, a, a young guy who was like really like amped up and he was talking about, uh, yo, man, I want some guns and yo, let's, let's go do it. Let's go get YE and so on and so forth. And it, like, right, matter of fact, he was talking about his experience when he was young. He said, man, I went in there. I was just like, yo, let's get some guns. Let's get whitey. Let's do this. Let's do that. Yep. He's like, yo, the older dudes handed me some books. I'm like, what the hell is this? He said, that's your weapons right there, young blood. It was like, what? He's <laughs> like, go and read that. Don't come here talking about guns till you read that first. So it kind of coincides with what you were talking about, um, Sabrina. Um, also, when Case was Case was talking about holding politicians accountable, don't just vote. I realized that when Obama in his inaugural his, his first and his second inaugural address, when he said, "Now it's not just me. It's not just me. You got to hold. You know, you got. You know, we're all in this together. You, you got to hold me accountable for when I do things. You know, when I'm not doing you know the right thing right right way. You you got to hold me accountable." And that's when, just like Casey said, that light bulb went off in, in his head when he said, oh, well, it's not just about voting. We got to do stuff. So, yeah. So that was my time. Uh, call you back. Customer call. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, we really do have to, we have to do things on the ground, too, you know, um, which a lot of yeah. us do. Like, mobilize on the ground stuff like that but yeah we i mean like it seems like a lot of people in your 
yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, much respect, Steph. For, I probably should check out. Much respect, uh, much respect for your uh, the, the scope and the achievement of your of your uh, journalism and uh, and and turning it into a you know and and having people join and and turning it into a political movement along with journalism at the same time. And the amount the amount of it that you're doing is uh, it's, uh, it's impressive. So uh, much respect. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks so much. I really do appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Lance. Lance is here. Hey, buddy. How y'all doing tonight? Hey, how are you? Good, good. Good, uh, <laughs> as always, great show. Love listening to all your, all of us callers. We're such an intelligent bunch, aren't we? But, oh, to pick up on your previous caller, one thing when I chimed, started listening was Marx and Lenin. You know, I'm always talking about how we got to educate people about Marx and Lenin because Groucho and John are two of the most important creative anarchists of the 20th century. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love saying that when people talk about them. You know, I that athlete analogy, I, I used to I say this, I use the same exact analogy, but like coming from the other side, because I'll say whether it's about we talk about exercising our rights, you know, take that word literally, because, you know, it's like a tennis. I use the example of a, your number one tennis player in the world and you're at your peak. You're in your early 20s, you know, 20 years old, you, you know, and you sit down in a chair and you just become sedentary for five years and decide, OK, I'm going to reclaim my title. You're only 25. You're still at the peak of your physical prowess. No, you're not going to be. You're going to be like 800, you know, so you're not going to be the number one player anymore if you don't exercise and, you know, continue to compete and continue to fight for the thing. Because once you get the law written, that's step one. Then you got to get it funded. Then you got to get it implemented right. Then you got to make sure it gets funded the next 10 years. And it's like you got to follow it all up um, to a point where one point is – Somebody was talking about, gee, I don't know if I'm going to elect this, try to go to vote for this person and work for him again on a, you know, local, not, not, not like they worked as him as a personal consultant or anything, but just, you know, was involved in, and I have to go look at their voting record. I said, no, you gave up the ghost there. You're already done. You don't, you didn't know what they were voting on for that two years or four years or six years for a senator, but let's say it's two years. And I have to say, the people on the right, the tinfoil hat crowd, love them or hate them, they, they find out some amendment that's going to fund 79 cents to Nigeria for an abortion somewhere around the world, you know? And they're like, uh-oh, we got to vote that guy out of office and primary him. Remember the guy who was a pastor, you know, just as some people are, they're a justice of the peace type person, or it was in the justice of the peace, not a pastor. And anyway, he, he married like a, a good friend who happened to be gay, a gay couple, and he was totally right wing. Do you remember that? And and he got primary because he dared. And it was totally legal in the state and everything. And it wasn't like brand new, like he was breaking any new ground. But just because this particular guy had married in his, you know, job as justice of peace, ran for Congress. And he's like, no way. Can't have that guy. We got to primary him out of there. So love him or hate him. This is what happens on the right. I just, why? Even on the, whether it's the progressive left or the, as we say, shit libs. They don't hold the feet to the fire on the left. I, you know, they just don't. And as someone explains, it knows about this stuff way more than me <laughs> and people from Europe. They say this. That, uh, I just, Lance, if, I if just Sanders thought would be a right wing. He'd be a right wing guy in Europe. I'm sorry, what? I just thought about Dave 
you know what I just thought about Dave Rubin? Because Dave Rubin is in that same category where he's he's LGBTQ, but he moved to, you guys remember when Dave Rubin used to be a part of TYT? Do you guys remember that? He used to be a part of TYT and he was a lefty then, remember? And then he moved to the right. And I was like, bro. And I, I remember I saw, and this is why I still, till this day, I can't watch Ben Shapiro. I remember I saw, um, I'm trying to remember if it was Ben Shapiro that went on his show or if he went on Ben Shapiro's show. I think it was Ben Shapiro went on his show. And Ben Shapiro told Dave Rubin that he would still not accept him like at an event because he was gay. And Dave Rubin was like, well, no. So I would still be able to like, he said, I would still invite you to my wedding ceremony. And Ben Shapiro said he would not go. And I remember that. And I was just like, Dave, seriously? Like this guy told you to your face. You are an abomination to him. That's and you still trying to get him to go to your event. And he was like, no, I will not go. No. Dave Rubin, I don't know if everyone remembers that, but he used to be on TYT and he was a lefty. Was he conservative? But similar things. And he says, but, but similar thing, but he's, he's still accepted though, because like he's still accepted like on the right though, because he still supports like those those policies. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know again, I it's it's funny how it's like I I don't I don't mean I'm not patronizing because it's Martin Luther King, but it's like what would MLK do? And when it comes down to these like phony liberals, okay, so like Matt Taibbi, he's younger, but his dad was in journalism. So his dad was probably from my generation. That's how old I am. He's in his forties, I'm in my sixties, so but I remember when we had good journalism, it was just there. And it was a golden era in a way, but of course everybody knows that before that you had like the Democrat, in fact, to these, to this day, there's the Rochester Democrat and Republican. There were like a Democratic newspaper, Republican newspaper, you know, uh, when the parties actually had diversity within them and it wasn't just like, just so like it is now. But anyway, that was honest. You see, that was at least real. So it was like, okay, well, they're going to, they're going to criticize Democrat like the Wall Street Journal you know, would criticize business people and they pride, they'll, they'll go for this in the primary, they'll go for the Democrat they like. So it's not like they're going to be following some corporate attitude, but they're going to be a partisan paper. Everybody knows it, you know? Uh, and so if it was that kind of honesty, Ryan, just do that. And I mentioned Chris Wallace or Larry King, you know, and I mentioned Larry King and Chris Wallace because they're not exactly hard hitting. Like, like Roger mentioned, Chris Wallace's dad, you know, who really was a lefty, you know, through and through and he was going to be really hard hitting, you know, and hold everybody's feet, put them right inside the fire, not just hold their feet, he put their whole body in it. But even the right wingers are going to criticize Republicans more than Ryan Gwim does. You know, lefties, it's just phony. Just be a pundit, admit it, and move on. But don't pretend, oh, I'm just being a journalist here. I just want to get the facts out. No, you're taking a side. Just admit it, and we'll accept that. Because you're more partisan than Chris Wallace is to Republicans or Larry King in terms of being milk toast in the middle. He's, which Larry King was not. 
he would ask very personal questions that would be out of left field that nobody asked before without being a gotcha question and did it he was just as brilliant later when he was you know being a little mellower in terms of his what he before he did hard journalism anyway you know and so it's just like it's just like like Matt I think would Matt Taylor would agree it's like we're redefining what journalism is and they they say it out loud don't they it's, it's got to be advocacy journalism now. No, you have to have a social justice attitude and or a, a, a party attitude. And if I could just throw this in before I throw it back to you, Sabby, it all ties back into. And I have to say this again. You schooled me because I misspoke and really, you know, about Fred Hampton. It's former. It's it's ex you know, people on the right. Uh, but that's kind of why he was killed. It's like you have to work with everyone. Abby Hoffman said. I'm a rich, you know, upper middle class Jewish kid from suburban Boston who went to Brandeis. So as I'm working with the Back Panthers or these people, when I'm sitting across the table, I'm never going to have their background. I can't, like, undo the white privilege, basically, what he was saying. But, you know, and the privilege I had and whatever I am, it's, we're going to we're tribes that are going to go back to our tribes to a certain extent. And, and we're not going to be like all all one singing Kumbaya on one hand. But but what the people on the left seem to want to say is that we have to be somehow all in agreement all the time. That just never going to happen. We got to find the stuff we can work on. And then people are going to go back to their tribes. And like I've said about working with people on the right, I challenge them on Trump. I don't just talk about barbecue and football and common ground and agriculture. I challenge them on Trump and say, he hates you, and he, you know, and he's your enemy too. So it's not just about common ground, but you got to interact with people if you're going to change their minds or, you know, or, or advance society. And, uh, Yeah, you have to be willing to have those tough conversations that some people don't want to have. Um, and some people don't want to have those conversations because they feel like, look, this is too hard. This is not going to move them in any direction. So why even waste my time having the conversation? I mean, that's just a reality. That's how some people feel. And so they're not even going to have those conversations. And what I want people to understand is that there are people that live in places where they have no choice but to have that conversation because they're in the minority. When I lived in South Carolina, there weren't many lefties there, guys. <laughs> it's a red state. You know, Nick lives in Kansas City, Missouri. It's it's a red state. So for a long time, like, I mean, I couldn't just say I'm only going to talk to people who are on the left. Because then it, you are not going to talk to many people. And it's like this. For a lot of people, depending on where they live, right? And I said the same thing with Chris Malls. Like, what would he have been able to do if he said, I'm only going to organize the workers that are on the left? It doesn't work like that, you know? Right. And, you know, it's just like so blatantly in their face. So, okay, it is absolutely true. You mentioned Ben Shapiro, the idea of not understanding the humanity, that you're not a full human being, that you're some kind of a freak, that you're some kind of should be outcast, that you shouldn't have if you're LGBTQ. And all of this stuff about demonize that people on the left correctly say about people on the right. And they demonize and they make people into caricatures so then they can turn them into something less than human isn't it terrible with the discrimination on the right and they're right about all of it then they do the exact same thing oh no my god and i hear this from I, I, you know zainab i'm sorry i hear it from people that are supposedly democratic socialists and the democratic socialists of america themselves 
It's like, oh, no, 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 you can't work with Trumpers and you can't do that. Why? Because they've turned them into some kind of caricature that they're just shade, you know, that if, if they're one step away from Nazis, like 90% of them, it's all about race. It's not about, you know, hating the establishment as much as they do. And it's not about any of that. It's just these other, these other, they're some kind of creature. And it's just so freaking Oh my God. It's so, it's just so blatantly hypocritical. How, how could people that are saying it are saying it? Okay, they're idiots. But then the people around them won't call them on it. Well, no, we gotta, well, I don't want to talk, you know, talk about that because these people are like a minority that are just screaming about this stuff. And, and they're doing exact, the very people who are being the most demonized on the left, LGBTQ extremists and trans, they're the ones that are othering and turning people into caricatures and freaks of nature. On the right, they're doing it to each other. It's who's saying who's saying you can't work with 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 Trumpers? Like, if you're trying to get some type of class solidarity and you exclude, okay, I'm excluding everybody that voted for Donald Trump. What about the people who voted for Donald Trump that voted for Obama twice? And I think we people need to get this notion out of their head. Not everyone that voted for yeah. Donald Trump is racist. And most people that voted for Donald Trump, I'm willing to bet, are not racist. Most people voted for Donald Trump because they're tired of the bullshit. Yeah. And and and, and one other thing, you know, like Chris I just says a lot, but I've thought about this is, guess what? When everybody's doing well, like when you could actually work a minimum wage job and live a lower middle class life, like, look, you know, and you weren't going to have a vacation. And you were going to work hard, but you'd have a place without a kitchen, maybe a little hot plate. You had a laundromat down the street, but you can live on a minimum wage back in the 60s, right into the 70s. You could live, you know, like I say, you could live a life of quiet dignity. And even people that were like middle class, sort of like teachers had to live that way sometimes. All right. Especially younger ones. All right. But so, you know, and and you could live that way. But, um, you know, but, but so, uh, lost my train of thought just slightly, but you, what you were just talking about, Savvy, that, um, uh, but who's, who's saying that, Lance? Oh, about Trumpers and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who's saying that? How are you going to have a class movement if you're not? I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's just, I, 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 and again, I guess because these people don't have the class separation or, you know, they're, it, okay, here it is. The 10% are not going to back us anymore. Those, and it goes back to every time I come across this and Mao's little red book, he says this. Revolutions can come from academia. They can come from the proletariat. They can come from the petty, you know, because ours were, they were rich guys, the aristocrats here. It could happen from the poor. It could happen with rich people that are being overtaxed. Wherever it starts, you got to get the mass of the, the 10%, because they were like the 1% almost, the aristocrats founders. But you got to get the 10% elites. You got to get them involved and you got to get them to buy into it. The 10% right now aren't buying into it. They're as much of the enemy as the 1%. There is no, like I've always said this, like from the 50s into the 60s, all that civil rights stuff and all the real stuff, you know, and environmental and voting rights, that happened because the 10% elites wanted it, the movers and shakers. Now, the shift from, lunch bucket folks on the Democratic side and one so it's on steroids now because they went all suburban all the time now 
and that makes it even worse. But it was still that 10% that was, and that's why it's even worse. Now it is a 10% that controls both sides, both parties now. And that's why we have a worse of a unit party than we even had 20 or 10 years ago. But uh, that's it. The, the 10% of the enemy, they're not going to be your friend now because I, I have spent a lot of time in the suburbs and all of our parents were from the city. We were like first generation suburbanites. It wasn't a brand new community like spanking new, but it was basically first generation suburbanites. And so, but now you have people's parents and grandparents all grew up in the suburbs and I'll say it, I've said it a million times. I would raise my kids, had a family in the country, rural, in the city, inner city, even if it was in a rougher kind of neighborhood, never in the suburbs. I've lived in every kind of neighborhood and it's soul crushing. It's just gray and it's life sucking. Even the eccentric, super rich have more fun because they don't have to care as much and be as like petty about shit because they're not trying to climb any ladder. They're already at the top. I don't, I don't like the 1%. They're bastards, but I'm just saying that they're, they're less obnoxious to be around than the people that are striving all the time. Sub, suburbs is soul crushing and that's what we have running everything. Our second and third generation suburbanites, people in journalism didn't come up like gumshoe, poor, middle class, lower, you know, if they're all freaking, you know, grads, you know, master's degree who have never, they all, and all the people that I grew up with that went to private, that went to public school, the rich kids, none of those kids now, they all go to private school. We've self-separated in a way that's going to be very hard. I'm sorry, but I'm trying to get back to who said that, Lance? Who who did you say that said that that is a social dem? Oh, that we can't work. Well, the Democratic Socialists of America, they, they, they went hard against the truckers and said they're Nazis. No, no, you were saying a name. Who said that? Oh, wait, that 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 we can't work with. Oh, well, there's a guy named, named Johnny and, and Zainab and Zainab uh, Day, you know, uh, who she was part of that MPP, you know, and I'm like, wow, I got like strong, strong pushback on like working actively. And I kept saying that it's not just a choice. We have to work together on the, and I, and I made clear that I'm a lefty and I made clear I fight, you know, I argue with them on stuff. I disagree vehemently. I'm not trying to suck up or to get along with or be a concern. And what I also said was, you know, the Venn diagram of agreement. It isn't like then just bringing every, then we can bring them all to the, to the socialist side. You know, uh, one more example, someone in Washington state, she was, I think green party. I don't know if she was DSA. I think she was green party. And I said, look, if you lived in, and you just happened to move to a new place, you couldn't run. Cause she said, I'm very involved in electoral politics. I'm, you know, I want to get involved in that, which is fine. If that's your choice, great, do it. You know, I mean, it's all everything, you know, like you talk about 80%, you know, 20% electoral, 80%, you know, mutual aid. Fine. Uh, but, so, and this person said, she said, I said, to, I gave her this choice, right? I said, I gave her hypothetical. I said, okay, you're Democrat. So, you know, back left, you know, green party. Uh, it was one or the other. I said, Okay, but you only have a choice and you're in Wyoming. And one guy is a corporate, complete corporate damn, like a classic, not even blue dog that happens to be conservative. It's a guy who's like way corporate, way corrupt, never in the district, blah, blah, blah. Now you have a, a guy who's an old fashioned Republican type, you know, who, you know, decent guy who's, you know, really honest. He's always not just showing up for barbecue, but really knows like the local high school quarterback and, you know, really is involved in the community. And let's just say the, let's just, for, for the sake of argument, to be short, the Venn diagram of, you know, mass incarceration, that is a real libertarian streak, and especially in the Midwest, say Wyoming, you know, it would be something they get back. 
minimum wage, $15, you know, that could even be something. Maybe not universal health care, maybe not. But, you know, the thing, all the overlap Venn diagram, he's really all for those. And the other guy's a complete scumbag, the Democrat. I said, could you pull the trigger for the Republican if that's the only choice you had? You just moved to the district, no chance to try third party anything. And she thought about it for like 15 seconds and agonized. And she's like, no, 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 I have to vote for the Democrat. I'm like, game over. I, I just can't, I can't understand that on a local or congressional, not, and it wasn't like for control of the house, you know, necessarily for committees or anything like that. Just a random isolated incident. And I thought that that's never going to make it or the DSA saying that the truckers are Nazis or I'm sorry, Zainab. I, I think that she was treated like garbage. I think I believe every word of what she said about what happened to her. So it's got nothing to do with all that. Believe me. But God, I got pounced when I said actually working actively on the Venn diagram. Oh, and I said it's not just the Venn diagram part. Eminent domain and certain times of p- the professional managerial class and elite running everything. And, and I know that Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz are complete phonies. They're Ivy League private school chumps. To hell with them. But there are honest to goodness folks on the on the Republican side that you can work with. On and go ahead. Well, let me say something really quick. I want to make this very clear to everyone listening because I don't want people to get confused. Anyone trying to start any type of labor movement or class movement, you cannot exclude millions of people from the population. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Lance. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's why the railroad party, five more words, I promise. They're going to be kind of old school, and I don't want to go back to old school where the labor guys go in with. Lance, I had to force mute you. I, I couldn't finish what I was saying. Um, millions of Americans voted for Donald Trump. You are not going to have any type of real labor movement or class movement in this country if you are going to exclude millions of people in this country. I don't know what this is. I don't know what they're trying to plan to do. But you cannot have a movement, a labor movement, just with people on the left. If that were the case, you would not have unions. You would not have worker co-ops. You think everybody in a union is on the left? You think everybody in a union is progressive? You think everyone in a union is a socialist? A lot of the times, at least here in Massachusetts, a lot of the people in the unions, especially those that work in like the machine shops, a lot of them are Republicans. I'm sorry, but that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So that's not no movement. I don't know what you're trying to do there unless you're still trying to continue with the progressive movement in the Democratic Party. And if that's what you're trying to do, then just go ahead and say that. But let's not try to sit here and pretend like you're trying to start some damn labor movement. A labor movement is not consist of just people on the left. Go ahead, Roger. Sorry. Um, sometimes it's just good to leave it blank. <laughs> I mean, if like if, if you don't like either candidate on this particular uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's OK to leave it blank. Most of my ballot was left blank. Um, I wrote in a couple of people. Um, I don't know if you have this in your state, uh, Sat, but um, we get to vote on judges. And and I don't know how you're think. Well, actually, Lance, you would know this because you're, you're in New York State. The people 
who, who, you know, the politicians and the judges and all that stuff, they can, in New York State, they can run on more than one party. Okay? So what happens is, okay, on our ballots, all right, so so the column, column means vertical, right? And row means horizontal. Okay. So the column would be the positions, the seats, and the row would be the parties. Okay. One of the reasons why I left it, it blank was all right, so where the so where the intersection where the where the row, which is the party, and the column, which is the seat, meet, is the is the name of the person. So on one of the things for the for the courts it said uh, pick six candidates to for the for the judgeships for family court and like a few for um, some other uh, three for some other court and so on and so forth. Did you know some of like with the court? Okay, so I'll you I use your name, Savvy. Um, I would see okay in column one, it would say Sabrina next to Republican. In column two, it would it, it in in no in in row two, but still column one, under Democrat it would say Sabrina, and it would be the same name in all you know in in all of them. So it was just like no matter who I pick, it's going it's going to be these people that are going to win. It's kind of like um it's it's hard, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's kind of like you're running against yourself as if you have no challenger because you took up all of the rows, which is the parties, in the same column. And it was like that through the entire, you know, through through, through like all the judgeships. So whether I vote for Sabrina or not, she's still going to get that seat. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So, um you know, I don't. I don't know how it's arranged in your state, but Lance, yeah, yeah, you you were definitely right about the uh, suburbs. I live out here in Nassau County. These people are comfortable. These are not anyone who's like left is kind of comfortable or they're kind of older or whatever the case was. But um, yeah, you're definitely right about the suburbs. The, the, I would say the suburbs are when you say the ten percent are kind of like the soldiers for the for the one percent. Um, because there's not too many, uh, you know, millionaires and billionaires, you know, even though there's a lot, their soldiers are mostly like that upper income, um, suburbanite, you know, yeah. I, I used to drive, um, when I was driving in, in Long Island and in, in Nassau County, I had driven, and okay, did you ever see Wolf of Wall Street? I don't know if I told you this already. I have. You ever seen Wolf? Oh, damn. All I'm right. Sorry. Well, if any, if anybody, <laughs> I right, watch it tonight. If anybody's seen Wolf of Wall Street, there was a part in there. I call it the most famous part where he had took some drugs and it didn't kick in until maybe an hour or two later when he was at this country club. And he started, you know, like he lost control of his motor functions and whatnot. And he was crawling all on the floor. Then he got his, in his Lamborghini and, and went home. I know where that place is. That, that was out here in Nassau. That, that was out in Nassau County. Um, 
I even drove by the country club where he banged up his car. One of one of my customers showed me showed me the place, so I know what those places look like. Um, I'm talking about the richer, rich part of the county. Um, that's that's that guy. Uh, if you remember Congressman Tom Swazi, who, who was like running that that was that's his district. And I'm talking about extreme wealth, where when you go to pick people up, you're not picking up the owners, you're picking up the help or their teenage kids. Rarely do you, you never pick up the owner. And, you know, I'd ask, you know, what, what does he do? They're like, oh, they work on Wall Street or they own a winery or something like that. And we're talking about, like, you have, it's, it's like gated, okay? It's not a gated community. A, a gated community is a gate that leads to an entire community. No, I'm talking about each property has a gate where you have to press some buttons to be buzzed into, and then you can't see the, the home from the driveway. You have to take a 30-second drive up the driveway before you get to the home, and you go, oh, this is a nice house. No, that's not the house. That's where the help lives. This is the mansion right here. That's, that's, that's what, you know, like, so when Lance was talking about the, the suburbs and all that, I know exactly what he's talking about. He, he sounds like he must have lived out here in Long Island at some point. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, what I was. Uh, can I just make a quick point about what Lance said earlier about. Uh, Go ahead, Case. Yeah, about Trump or not. Do you all remember the movie Diary of a Mad Black Woman? I don't know if if any of y'all remember that movie, (laughs) but there's a part in the movie where the husband is is clearly trying to keep his his wife away from her own family. Like he would trap her in the house and and encourage her not to, and and keep her away from her family, and that's extremely toxic behavior. And that's how that's what I think of when people say, "Hey, don't talk to that person, or don't talk to that person, don't talk to Jimmy Dore, don't talk to." Um, anyone, even, you know, don't, don't watch this or don't watch that. It's like, it's toxic behavior. It's like, you're trying to keep that person from finding out, let them find out on their own, whether they like or not like somebody, you know, that's, I think it's very like almost cultish kind of behavior where even in cults, they try to keep you. That's the, one of the signals of a cult is when they keep you from your own family. Like let people find out on their own, or you could tell them. Like if you somebody's about to um, interview David Duke, for example, like hey, you do know that's a KKK. I'm not saying not to, to interview them, but you know that's a K. Okay, you know that's a KKK person, right? Okay, you're going to go there. You're going to interview them, not to agree with them, but to like challenge them. Okay, you're going. Okay, no problem. Like there's a lot of nuance in context that needs to happen um, when we're talking about different talking to different bubbles. But I think. We need to have different conversations with different type of people, with different bubbles, rich people, um, poor people. Uh, these are all valuable conversations. And more importantly, finding out how we communicate on how you can collaborate to have a better future, a better tomorrow, have Medicare for all, UBI, et cetera. Um, yeah, that's exactly the same message that both the Republican and the Democratic Party want. That's what they want you to do. They want you to stay in your camp. They want you to only talk to people on the right or only talk to people on, on that, are, that are Democrats. Like, we've been doing that for years. And where has that gotten us? You cannot do a labor movement 
with just people in one freaking party. That doesn't make any freaking sense. Like, if that's the case, none of these people that tried to organize that started unions, like the Starbucks workers, right? And, and Amazon and all the others, none of those people would have even unionized if they were like, I'm only going to talk to people that are such and such, and I'm not going to talk to, I'm not going to work with, organize with Trumpers. That's fucking ridiculous. That's not a labor movement. You know what that is? That's a political movement through one party. That's what that is. We did that. <laughs> we, we, we've done this. And there's always going to be differences. We're always going to have, even when um, the union won their vote, I think they won by 51%, right? So that means 49% of the people wanted to ratify the the agreement, but it was it was the democracy. So the union said, no, we're not accepting this. That means that there's 49 people that was for that. And whether they understood the, the whole thing or not, they were in opposition to that. But do you discount them and say, oh, you're not part of my union anymore? <laughs> you know, no, you still maybe you all find out and say, hey, we got to organize even better. So we have a, a higher number next time. That's right. All of those railroad workers who voted like to turn down this contract, like the 55 percent that they said, like during the interview told me there's 55 percent that voted against it, that wanted to go on strike. Guess what? They're still a part of the same union with the other half people who said, no, we're going to accept it. They're still part of the same group. That's the thing about being in a union. Like, you're not always going to agree on the benefits. You're not always going to agree on the contract. There's going to be people that disagree and people that agree, but you're still a part of the same union. This idea that we all have to agree on every single principle, that is, this is honestly why we're not getting anywhere like on the left, because let's think back to it. Even during Bernie Sanders campaigns, we all didn't agree on everything. Even then we didn't. It may have seemed like we did, but we didn't. There were differences. And I'll, I'll tell you some of those differences. One of the differences that I had, and again, like I told people, I voted for Bernie Sanders because like I said, like I agreed with him with most of the policies that he had. But I didn't agree with everything. I did not agree with Bernie Sanders saying that, no, we should not have reparations. I didn't agree with that. So th there were differences and there were other African-Americans felt the same way. They didn't agree with Bernie Sanders on that point. So it's like, we always did have those disagreements. I think the difference was we were really willing to rally behind that one candidate because we agreed with most of the policies. And it's the same thing for like, if you're trying to do any other type of organizations, like for those of us that are activists that have organized on the outside, we have the same, the same things happen. We may not agree on every single one of the issues, but we agree on enough of them to the point like, yeah, let's work together and let's get this done. So this is the weirdest thing to me. It's just, it's just really weird. Like, even when I think about sports, I hate to throw sports back in here, but same thing. Like, I played sports. Did we agree with each other on everything? No. But we agreed on trying to win that game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's people that hated each other as teammates. 
but they still accomplished what they needed to accomplish. Like, I think Kobe and Shaq had beef when they won a couple championships, but they still won championships. So I, I, I don't know how we get to that point where we're like, okay, I really detest your opinion on that, but we can still collaborate. We can still come together. I could go on your YouTube show. You can go my show. We can disagree here, but you know what? Let's agree here. I think maybe that's something. I just thought, of, anybody heard of the sandwich me- method? The sandwich method is like you talk about, you say a compliment, then you give your criticism, and then you say another compliment. So maybe when we have uh, people on, like a Ryan Grimm say, hey, okay, this is what we agree on. Okay, da da da. You talk about it. Medicare for all. Yeah, we need. We all need Medicare for. Okay, now let me disagree with you on your <laughs> coverage of the squad and how they are not helping us with this Medicare for. Right. And then after you had that conversation, okay, but back at the end of this, let's Ryan. How can we work together to have Medicare for? Okay, you know what? Next time I'm going to come to that March and da 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 da. You know, and maybe we have that kind of method next time, and I'm going to try to apply that myself. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point to make a uh, case because like I look just because I haven't had someone on doesn't mean I wouldn't talk to them. That's something that I want everyone to understand. Just because I haven't had someone on doesn't mean I wouldn't talk to them. Like I said, I would talk to anyone except for Kanye West. I told y'all Kanye don't need no more coverage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think Kanye is spent on the coverage, but that doesn't mean like I would talk to like anyone, but that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with them. But unless we have these conversations, like I said, like people keep talking about, oh, what, where does the progressive movement go? And da, 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 da. What progressive movement? Half of the podcasters don't even talk to each other anymore. And some people may say, well, well, the podcasters just podcasters. That doesn't matter. Bullshit. The reason why I knew about those progressive candidates was because of those podcasters. So, I mean, the, the, the thing is, it's just like, like, this is just, it's, it's just fucking ridiculous. Like, it really is. Like, if, if you guys think that there's going to be some type of movement and you're only talking to a few, like a handful of people, and that's going to create a movement in this country, you're going to say, I'm going to exclude this half of the country. That's not a fucking movement. Excuse me for my language, but go ahead, Lance. No, man, it's just like this is what seemed to be happening. <laughs> Weird thought. A couple bowls of pot will do this, right? All I could think of was these cartoons from the 60s, and a lot of them were like the cartoon character that runs off the cliff and then realizes when there's, uh-oh, but only when they realize there's nothing underneath that they fall. And it seems like the Democrats, they don't want, you know, a liberal, we're just so afraid of everybody else that we don't want to go foraging back into the masses, whether it's the unwashed masses, whether it's people that are in our socioeconomic class that are on the other side politically. And they're just in this thing where they're just going to, they're just saying the only choice is to go off a cliff. And that's where the, that's where, that's where the left is. They're, they're totally going off a cliff. I don't, mm-hmm. if you just, like, what are they after? I, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's no, there's no candidate to rally behind Lance. There's no one around to get behind this time. That's the thing. Yeah. You 
I'll you have another call. So I'll, you know, go. I'll call after you maybe take Brady. But so, I'll, but this other point that's tangential, and this is the, when you talk about the PMC and the ten percent, what they want, they want Sam Bakeman freed, right? And Elon Musk, right? And people like that are going to save us. I mean, the idea. I'm sorry, Dave Chappelle. I mean, are you kidding me? The idea that you bring the richest human being in the history of planet Earth. Hey, look at this. Uh, my buddy. It's like, Dave, that's nice. So go hang. He loves him. Him and Joe Rogan talked about it. He only got that. Re- they really kind of believe this idea. Joe Rogan and him that they're on the show. What a tongue bath of that. He's, he's just, he's just so eccentric, such an eccentric genius that he became the richest guy in the world just kind of by accident. It's insane. It never happened in the history of planet that I've ever, since I've been born and all the movies from silent era through, you know, and, and, and that's a problem. And that's why if it's not Bernie Sanders, well, maybe Sam Bankman fried who was that? He's the darling of the left lib army, isn't he? He's not some guy who like just went to venture capitalists who happened to be liberal in Silicon Valley. Nope. He's part of that whole world. And that whole, whatever her name is, Wesley, something about Epstein and the whole lefty crowd and how deep that goes with the CIA and bribing people with sexual uh, blackmail and all this stuff. This isn't your, this isn't the Republican, this is the freaking Democrats. They are sociopathically deranged, just like you think the Trumpers and the tinfoil hat crowd is. That's what you, that's who you're backing when you think that Elon freaking Musk or Sam Bankman Freed are going to be the savior of like this high tech thing. We'll put chips in our brain and go crypto. We'll all we'll be good to go, right? That's, that's what Elon and. Sorry. Oh. Um, Sabrina, I wanted to piggyback on something that you said about talking to other people. Go ahead, Roger. I'm going to bring in Brady, too. Uh, Thanks, Lance. But go ahead, Roger. I have, I guess, doing what I do, I had a lot of experience speaking to trumpeters because when I'm driving in New York City during the Trump era, yeah, I remember people come from all over the world to New York City, you know all over the country also. So I got to talk to a lot of uh, uh, people who voted for Trump. Some were Trumpeters. Some were like, ah, I took a shot and voted for him. You know what I mean? Some were true believers and so on and so, on and so forth. And, um, you know, I, I never took a took a judgmental uh, uh, tone, anything like that with them, or whatever the case is. I just took it as an opportunity to learn. Oh, by the way, um, you said there were people who voted for Obama twice that voted for uh, Trump. Uh, yes, uh, Ashley Babbitt, the one that the cops shot during the uh, during the January yep. 6th thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I just learned a lot of, of things from people from other parts of the country, um, as well as other parts of the world dur- during the whole Trump era and so on and so forth. Uh, a lot of them were like, "Yeah, I would have voted for Bernie, but he didn't win. He he he, he didn't win the uh, the primary, so I went with Trump." You know, some just couldn't stand Hillary. Yeah. Some were there like, were some, "Yep, there were some of those too," because they said they couldn't stand Hillary Clinton. They said we're voting for Bernie, and then when Bernie lost, they were like, "Well, guess I'll just be voting for Trump." Yeah, so you know, it, it's it was pretty. It it, it was just pretty uh you know i turned them on to some things and they turned me on to some things uh 
you know, some of them had strong conservative opinions. A lot of them from uh, uh, Latin countries, they come here because they don't like the leftward turn of their country becoming more uh, a socialist, a communist or whatever. So they come with those conservative, corporate conservative, capitalistic type of things and so on and so forth. And, we, you know, we'd be if we went by Trump Tower, they'd be like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, but it, it was it, it was it was an experience. It wasn't you know like they didn't like you know they don't bite, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, yeah. you take it take it I as mean, an opportunity to learn something. That's right, uh, Brady. You just have to unmute. I think you're still muted. Yeah. I don't know if Brady can unmute. Brady? I'll invite you to speak, Brady. Maybe sometimes that fixes it. Poor Brady. Brady probably fell asleep and was like, look, you guys are taking way too long. (laughs) That happens sometimes. But... Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like, you know, to you guys, like to your point, especially to like what Case was saying, like this whole idea that you can't talk to certain people, it's just, it's freaking ridiculous. Like I told you, there's too many gatekeepers. Like, who are you to tell me who the fuck I can talk to? I'm a grown ass woman. (laughs) (laughs) Always remember, back in the 80s, Oprah Winfrey and Phil Donahue would have the KKK on on a regular basis. That's right. And can and let me not go into uh what's his name? The guy with the nose Rivera. Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo got oh, punched in the you? nose a couple times on the show, yeah. Yeah, well, Geraldo, I don't know about the couple, but I definitely know he Go ahead. No, he 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 had a broken nose like twice because he got punched by um one of his guests twice. I only know about the one time. Which was, and the one time that I know about was was an accident because he tried to break up a fight. The the, the now past, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Roy Ennis. Roy Ennis, right? So he, he, I forgot what country, I think it's from St. Thomas or something like that. So Geraldo Rivera had him and like the, the Ku Klux Klan or the Knights of White Southerners, something like that on the show. And then he, the Roy Ennis started choking, you know, choking the guy. And then people started jumping in and chairs started being thrown everywhere and whatnot. You can probably find it on YouTube or whatever. And during in that melee, he, he got his uh, nose broken. But, um, you know, Roy Ennis was one of them people who he took a turn from being radical to pretty much being like a Tom. But I'll never forget the day. Now, you you know, you got to be a little bit older to know this one. But um, if anybody knows Al Sharpton's style of interview or whatever, he doesn't know what it means to let other people speak. Like he's always interrupting. He always has to, has to, you know, everyone always has to hear him or whatever. I remember back in the late eighties or early nineties on the Morton Downey Jr. show, they was 
they was filming out on the, what do you call that thing? The Apollo Theater. And then, you know, Sharpton said what he had to say. Then Roy Ennis went to speak. And then Al Sharpton started interrupting him. And he was just like, it's my turn to talk, brother. It's my turn to talk, brother. It's my turn to talk, brother. So that, you know, that's what Roy Ennis kept telling him. So then he pushed Al Sharpton down on his ass. The chair flipped up and everything. They had to get people to break it up and whatnot. You, you could probably find that on YouTube also. But, um, yeah. <laughs> You know, but but yeah, Roy Ennis, he 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 uh, he died some time ago or whatever. But yeah, that that was just my two cents. <laughs> well, I don't know if Brady Brady, can you unmute? I don't know, Brady. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna move over to Rob Brady. I think it could be an app thing, or maybe I'm not sure. All right, Rob, what's up? Just got to unmute. Okay, hi. Hi. Um, I just, uh, I'm probably preaching to the choir when I say this, but I really do think that tribalism will kill us long before the fascists will. Mm. What do you mean by that, Rob? Uh, well, just uh, how everybody silos themselves off according to, to their own ideology where they're afraid to even engage with, with people who, who may or may not um, share your belief systems and how, and this is certainly true on, on the left people who on the left who do try to engage the right, the way that, that they get smeared by, by people on the left who want to gatekeep who gets to be part of the left. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you feel that sometimes it may be too much of a purist attitude? Yeah, very, very much so. Like, especially when, especially when that part of the left goes after someone like, uh, like Bree or, or, or when they go after RBN or whether they go after when they go after Katie Halp or Aaron Mate, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it's just, it's, it's very dispiriting. And that's, that's what I mean when I say that the, that our inability to, to communicate and, and engage with other people and, and trying to find, some commonality that's that's what's going to ultimately kill us as a mm. as a society um what and, do you feel the commonality is these days rob because i feel like it continues to change a little bit the common i think uh everybody um you know, ha, ha, you know, deserves the uh, to to be taken care of, to have their their basic needs taken care of: food, shelter, um, healthcare. I, I don't think anybody should be without any of that, and I don't. And I think that that's a, like a common desire. Um, um, of everybody, uh, 
it's not the confident it's not the desire of the politicians uh we 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 know that well and clear but i i do think that that that, that is something that, that everybody that's that's not a politician can can agree on that everybody should have uh should have food and shelter and uh and a job you know if 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 they're able to do so and if they're not able to do so, they should still have their 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 basic needs met. Yeah. That's yeah. that that's 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 sort of my 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 take on it. Yeah, and that sort of goes around. It sort of circles back to uh, to the Matt Taibbi thing, like the the left and. And liberals have have been have been out for him for years, and whether it's whether it's stuff that he wrote and when he was in Russia uh, editing the newspaper, or whether it's going against Russia Gate, and or or whether you know the the so called oh you're grifting to the right. Uh, or, or, or even the the Twitter files, you know, doing doing PR for the world's richest man. I I have to wonder whether people who actually read Matt's work in the two thousands actually paid attention to it, because when he was doing all of the reporting on the. Uh, on the financial crisis, no one was spared. Republicans weren't spared and Democrats certainly weren't spared. So I really don't get why, why people on the left and say that, Oh, he's changed. He's, he's gone rightward. Like, no, I don't think he's changed, but I, but I think you've changed. So, mm. I'm just curious what it, what what everybody um, you know has to say about that. Yeah, I think the same thing too. I think that like um, we were talking about this earlier. The same thing happened with Glenn Greenwald. It was like all of a sudden people forgot that yeah. he broke the Edward Snowden story. You know. So I think that. Like I said, if you don't tow that line exactly how they want you to tow it, they'll smear you too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know which is worse, the, the, the smear, smearing them without acknowledging the, the good work or acknowledging the good work and then doing the smear. Using like a... Sorry? Oh, that I think that was uh, Roger's GPS. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or you know, uh, doing the doing the smear, doing the smear, but always prefacing it with, uh, "Oh, but we appreciate his work on on the Edward Snowden stuff." Like, right. Whatever. <laughs> right. Um, 
I well, just what I've noticed is like apparently it's not cool anymore to criticize the Democratic Party too much. <laughs> Was it ever cool to criticize the Democratic Party? Well, I'm hearing from people on the left. They don't think it's cool to criticize the Democratic Party too much, too heavily anymore from people on the left. While I watched these people do this for years, Rob, yeah. for years, I watched them criticize Obama and everybody else, like criticize like Democrats. Now it's like, no, we got to, we're supposed to like simp for Joe Biden. No, fuck that. I still remember who Joe Biden is. And you guys yeah. get to hear from Tara Reid uh, Sunday. I'm doing a special live stream Sunday because Tara Reid is coming on. She's been on before, but this time she's coming on to talk about her story. And, you know, her story came up again because of the Twitter files. Oh, really? So, yeah. I, I got she to catch on, up on that. Yeah, she was on Tucker Carlson's show recently uh, talking about her story because it came up again this time because of the Twitter files. Uh, Joe Biden was never even investigated, you guys. Never investigated. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh... <laughs> um, I, I know. I know. Ryan Grimm is a is a, a punching bag, and 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 deservedly so. But I I will give him credit for for helping to break that story, doing the work behind it, and still be willing to to stand behind it, even when when everybody else was like, "How dare you do that." Well, there's been a, there's been a couple people in that position too. Like I think about all the people that were smeared during RussiaGate, like yeah. all the journalists that were like, "Yeah, I don't think this is it." <laughs> They're like, "I don't think this is it, guys." <laughs> and they were smeared back then, and they were laughed at, and now like those people are vindicated. Yeah. Yeah, like I I, I never bought the idea that that Russia hacked the the election, although. Um, Although my favorite joke about Russiagate uh, was from Will Maneker on an episode of Chapo. And he said, and we, what if Putin actually did hack into the election? Good on him for pulling one over on the evil empire. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, which, 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 which I thought was, was kind of, was kind of funny, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I just, um, uh, uh, just wanted to, to call in and, uh, and, and sort of, sort of add that, 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 that thought, um, everybody, uh, I, I, I don't think everybody, I don't think anybody is, is beyond uh, beyond reaching, uh, you may get a few people who who are just beyond reasoning with. But for the most part, I I do think uh, if people do find some some common ground, uh, that that people could actually get together and uh, and actually make some change for for the better. Um, you know, it's just uh, just like what what Taibbi wrote in, in in his book. You know, every the 
the powers that be are keeping us siloed away and, and making us hate each other just for um, just for a profit motive and just for someone else's amusement. Yeah. But anyway, I oh, will... Yeah. Uh, sorry? I said I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I recently read Hating for the first time, and I just it, it 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 made sense. Like if he wasn't if he wasn't canceled, I would say that 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 would be Taibbi's like defining work that that book and uh, the the things that he said in it, and and the things that he and the and Chomsky. Uh, that he and Chomsky talked talked about in in the interview at the end of the book too. So, mm. well said, Rob Brady. Yeah. You're a speaker. You have to unmute. Let's see if it works this time. Because yeah, you just have to unmute. Maybe it's not letting Brady unmute. I don't know. I don't know if it's letting Brady unmute. Um, will Case or Roger mm-hmm. anything to to follow up? I think Brady might be stuck yeah. in the glitch. I don't have a un, um anything follow up. I want to ask you, Sabi, do you remember when um Shama Sawant mentioned that there were two upcoming actions coming up? There was um one that CJ, yeah, she she was on the show with CJ and Nick. Because I remember CJ said that, oh yeah, that that um, particular union is near me. But basically, I think we, I hope that we can help organize or even um, I don't know push because there's more actions that's coming up similar to the railroad workers that just happened. And then of course we mentioned we talked about how in two years that's going to happen. But there is she mentioned two um, unions that's going to be having upcoming actions. So th- these are things that I think we need to be actively tracking and reporting on and even helping to promote. And hopefully we could get them ready or help see if we can help them get ready to um, be able to do a wildcat strike if needed. You know, so I, I just think um, hopefully we could keep our eyes on the prize and and help uh, upcoming actions. That's why I just wanted to bring that up. I agree. And one of the things that everyone can do now is to go to their website, the railroad workers, um, dot org, and you can donate on their website. What's up, Brady? What's up, squad? Amanda gave me a good idea the other day. She recommended that we reach out to some of the independent candidates who maybe did a good job in their, in their race, but lost and reach out to some of them and ask if they might be interested in running for president under a new third party, you know, and start, start vetting people um, who've already ran and shown some success and might be interested in doing it again, because it's really hard coming up with good political candidates for president or on a national level. um, And even on the local level, but um, especially the national level, it looks like it's going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump again, all over is what they're pushing for. But if we can get a good third party voice in nice and early and really kind of shift the narrative to where both Donald Trump and Joe Biden have to react to the third party voice, that would be some progress. You know, so we think about interviewing some some people who ran but didn't quite make it and asking them if they'd do it.
That's a good idea. Um, one of them I can already tell you about. Um, I did ask Matthew Ho that question when we were in DC and he said no. <laughs> and I asked him because like, uh, I know there were a couple people that were saying that they would like to see him run. Um, but I did ask him and he said no. <laughs> but yeah, I would be interested in doing that. Like interviewing some of those people. Um, that didn't that didn't get there and then asking if they want to by the way you guys i can't remember if i said this on stream or not i get confused sometimes with too many streams. but did you guys know there were actually a good number of green party candidates that won in california i don't even know if i remember i mentioned this to you guys i think it was like 15. not kidding i know california is a big state but there was like, I think about 15 of them won Green Party in California. Yeah, and even if you find people who aren't interested in running for president, maybe if you could just ask some interesting people some questions, like uh, a mental mental uh, test, like like how would you answer these questions if you were running for president? Like, we just like to get an idea of like what how you would do things if you were president, just for fun, even if they're not running, you know, just to get some ideas of what our platform would look like. Yeah, that's a good point, Brady. Um, Case, I think you were about to say something. It was either Case or Roger. I forget. Someone was, um, I thought someone was trying to unmute. Well, I, I'll say this. Um, and I said it before, and Brady, I don't know if you were on before, but I said whatever politician was going to run, uh, the number one question you should ask them is what is your plan to narrow the income inequality gap? And you're forcing them to talk about solving your problem specifically. That's it. Okay. And that is all. I am going to be heading out because it is almost 1.30 in the morning. Thanks for doing this, Abby. You're the best. Love to you in the chat.